I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen do it. Screams from the haters, got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero need his theme music. No one man should have all that. Welcome to the Four Downs Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm going with Kanye West for our Friday morning. Scott, you got to be a big Kanye West fan, right? Kanye's not my favorite. It's hit or miss with Kanye, just like some of these draft picks we're going to talk about. Um, I'm not I'm not going for that slander. Back with us today is Kilby O'Rourke. Kilby, did you miss us? Of course I missed you guys. It's good to be back. I feel like, I feel like I've been away from family for just a little bit here. Yeah, I, I had the Kanye West music in the intro because I'm like, it's that was my, my shit I listened to. When I was in high school getting ready for football, we got high school football tonight for me. I get to go cover it. I get to watch kids hit each other. It's great. So kind of just going off of that, let's just go straight into the news. I'm mean, super excited to talk about our uh, mock draft that we did on Sunday night. So we're going to get right into it with the biggest news of the day, probably of he's going to be probably a, twen- uh, a, a, um, a trending topic on Twitter. It's Cam Newton, guys. Cam Newton, Panthers, Patriots tonight. Cam showed up. Left with a foot injury. Let's throw it to Scott first. Scott, are you nervous at all? I mean, what do you think the verdict is here? Well, they said he left in a walking boot. So until you get more information, you really got to play things close to the vest and, and be a little bit cautious with it. But at the same time, it is a quarterback. So quarterbacks are deep this year. So if you're going to take a chance and you see Cam Newton slipping down anywhere after those double-digit rounds, I think you can go ahead and take him, especially if he's going to be your second quarterback. I'd go ahead and and jump on the upside until you find out for sure what's going on and what the prognosis is. He did walk to the locker room under his own power. You mentioned the walking boot, but, I mean, Big Ben basically lives in a walking boot during the season. So um, maybe not too much concern. Kilby, if you're drafting this weekend and you don't hear much, are you going to downgrade Cam at all, or are you just kind of going to assume that everything's okay? I'm not downgrading him as of yet. Evan Silva actually did a little retweet here from at rap, uh, rap sheet saying that the x-rays were negative And then right now the walking boot is just precautionary. He wasn't on crutches or anything like that. So uh, he's got a couple of weeks for the season starts. I think he's going to be fine. I, I, I actually couldn't agree more. I think you look at this and you, you see foot injury and you get nervous, but you know, he walked to the locker room under his own power, and, you know, the walking boots are precautionary just to keep that weight off. So uh, I think uh, I think Cam will be okay. I'm not freaking out yet. So let's go over to a running back over um, in Baltimore, Justice Hill. Um, this is kind of news at a Ravens camp that he's really forming himself to be that third down back. We heard that about Kenneth Dixon years ago. It obviously never happened, but he had some issues of his own. Um, Kilby, let's go to you with this. Justice Hill, do you have faith that he is going to be – that third down back, but he's also going to get the touches. I know it's going to be a crowded backfield out there in Baltimore. Yeah, the way I'm seeing it and the things that I've been reading, they they are really looking to find ways to get Justice Hill on the field. I think he's going to get plenty of touches. It's going to be a very run-heavy offense, so I don't see any issues there. Um, I, I will take Justice Hill any day of the week if he falls to me. Uh, Mark Ingram is going to be doing very well as far as his run in that game. But I think at some point in time, Justice Hill could find his way more and more on the field, eating into Mark Ingram's touches. Scott, your take on Justice Hill? 
Yeah, I think Justice Hill is one of the guys that you have to go ahead and target later on in the draft. And we talk about talent. The biggest knock on him was that he was a little bit undersized. But as high as everybody is on Chris Carson, let's remember, Chris Carson could not beat out a freshman in in Justice Hill there at Oklahoma State. So Justice Hill kind of took that job and ran away with it. It doesn't surprise me at all that he's doing as well and getting touted as much as he is in Baltimore. And I think he's going to work compliment there to Mark Ingram and just he has the explosiveness that Mark Ingram doesn't so I think he's going to be one of those players that you need to go ahead and look at and when you're looking at those third down backs those passing satellite backs you need to get a guy like Justice Hill that can also if an injury happens he's going to get the passing work and he's probably going to go ahead and ascend to the lead back duties whenever Mark Ingram if he were to get hurt. From one third down back to another, let's go to Ty Johnson, um, a name that a lot of people might not know about, but I think this is big news. I don't know about you guys. The reports out of Detroit are that Ty Johnson could move into that change of pace back, which could mean the theoretic role, which the big knock against Carrion was he didn't have that role. So, Scott, if Ty Johnson comes in as this third down back for in kind of this theoretic role, does that kind of hurt carry on in PPR leagues? I mean, I know you're not the high guy I am, but still, it, it could be a big deal, right? Yeah, it could definitely take away some of the upside that carry on Johnson has as far as his ceiling. But when we start talking about Ty Johnson, he did well over in at Maryland. And you look at his workout metrics, a 4-4-5-40, that's 92nd percentile. His speed score, 107.1. So when you start looking at things... He definitely has the athleticism in, in the mold. He's 5'11", 210, so he's not a smallish back. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys that's got a lot of straight line speed, but if he goes ahead and, and, and takes over the passing down role, it's definitely going to cap some of the upside and ceiling you see with Carrion Johnson, which kind of brings him into a questionable position is, do you want to take him in that middle to late second round? Is he still a value there? Or does he drop down more towards the, the first half of that third round? It's something that worries me a little bit. I mean, then you add in the fact that, you know, I have carry on over Leonard Fournette, but Cam Robinson's back tonight for Jacksonville. So, you know, if that's a healthy offensive line and Leonard stays healthy, I mean, I mean, maybe I should be taking Leonard ahead of carry on Johnson. Kilby, does this worry you at all? Not really. Uh, I mean, carry on's going to get his touches. That's for sure. And with Ty Johnson, I mean, the guy has showed up in camp. I mean, they're wanting to run there in uh, Detroit, so why not get the guy on the field? So, no, I, I'm not too concerned about it. I think Carrion's going to do well uh, where he's at, and I, I wouldn't be too afraid to take him, not at all. Carrion Johnson boosting up draft boards, um, you know, kind of late in this uh, fantasy drafting season. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Now to another running back, our last running back in this little set of news, Damian Harris. Now, we, we do have to update you that he did have an injury today. He was taken out of um, out of the preseason game versus the Panthers as well with what is being described as kind of it looked like a head injury. They kind of just took him out after he was hit on a play action pass. So not too much there. But the reason for him in the news is going to be the fact that he's get, been getting rave reviews out of camp. Last week, he looked pretty good against the Titans, scored a touchdown. Um Scott, Damian Harris, I know you're talking about Sony Michelle, but look, if Damian Harris is healthy, he looks good, and we know that if the coaches like him, they're going to put him on the field. It's just how New England operates. So are you worried at all about Sony Michelle? Are you kind of not worried, but you're boosting Damian up? What are you thinking about that backfield? 
I'm keeping everything exactly the same. Uh, you, you saw Sony Michelle play the first couple of drives. He got some runs called back due to holding penalties that didn't really affect his run. He looked absolutely great to me. I think what this offense and this this specific running back situation boils down, it's a Bellatrix. So it, it's going to be the same thing that, that you have every year. If you've been one of these people that shies away from that that running back stable because of Belichick and and just not getting the information and him kind of mixing and matching things, then you should probably do the same this year. If you're a little bit more risk-averse like I am and you have a little bit more confidence in Sony Michelle, you don't feel that much of a problem drafting him right now. He's currently going outside of the top four rounds in PPR drafts based on his ADP. He's pick 50 right there along with uh, James White at pick 51. So to me, it, none of this, anything that happened, none of this news that's coming out, it's anything different for me. I'm keeping all the backs exactly the same where I have them. Kilby, um, I'd love to get your take on it. I know we've we've talked about the Patriots with you, and I think you've seemed to like Damon Harris. So are you kind of – I mean, I know we have the injury, but are you kind of happy that the coaching staff steam, seems to be kind of back on board with his production? Yeah. Now, when I say I like Damian Harris, I mean I like him as a definitely a, light, a late-round flyer for <laughs> of me. Of course, of course. So um, yeah, it's just that whole – Belichick scenario. I, for one, am one of those that have never been a big fan of taking a lot of running backs in that New England backfield just because you never know how that rotation is going to shake out. Sony definitely has looked really, really good in the preseason. You know, he definitely he has that injury history. So Damian Harris is definitely good to have as a late round flyer. That's the only way I would keep it. Um, I'm just not as high on that backfield as Scott is. Sounds good. And now to our last news of the night, um, kind of some joint news. So we'll, we can talk about Michael Crabtree finally getting signed by the Cardinals. Um, so Crabtree gets signed and it also comes out that Keyshawn Johnson has been looking um, incredible. Apparently he has been the, the best player at camp was how it was described out of the rookies and the veterans. So that's kind of interesting. So Scott, we're going to put it into two here. The Cardinals receiving core. What are you kind of looking at? Are you just staying away? It's really funny what's happened over just a week's time. Everybody was so high on Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray and that, that Arizona offense. And all of a sudden, one week, two preseason game, and you got a lot of people that are sitting there and pumping the brakes. To me, the bigger interest in news, even more than, than Keyshawn Johnson, it has been kind of the limited snaps that Christian Kirk's played and specifically the – the line and, and the way they've been aligning their wide receivers, Larry Fitzgerald is, is still getting all of the slot reps there for that offense, which is kind of where a lot of people are projecting Christian Kirk. So this news with Keyshawn Johnson, along with Christian Kirk's snap counts, really makes me want to go back and reevaluate my, my stance on Christian Kirk and exactly where I have him ranked. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. I think the snap counts and the alignment within that offense is going to be very important to see where the high leverage targets are going to go to. Right now, I still have Larry Fitzgerald ranked higher than uh, Christian Kirk, so it's one of those things I'm just going to go ahead and remain with. And uh, I think uh, you got to pay attention to this and, and see how things are going to play out. Kilby, are you are you nervous? I mean, I know we've seen like a few like tweets and and videos about people saying, "Oh crap, you know, stay away from the Cardinals now." But it's like it's we was one preseason game. Are you that concerned, Kilby? No, actually, I'm a little bit excited. I, some of these uh, ADPs could probably drop after this game, so <laughs> you know, may be able to get some of these guys at a bigger discount, which uh, I'm all for. You know, Fitz is definitely going to get his. Yeah, I could see um, 
uh, Kyler Murray really leaning on him this season as much as possible. Christian Kirk is definitely going to get mixed in there. Everybody's going to get there, uh, get a get a piece of the pie, especially if they're trying to run. I mean, they jokingly said what ninety plays a game, but and realistically, <laughs> are they going to get? I, I would say somewhere maybe between seventy to eighty would be more realistic, and that's only if they can stay on the field. So no, I I like the fact that you know the that second preseason game people put too much stock into it, and I'm excited to see these guys drop a little bit for me. Scott, um, last question here. We didn't really talk about it just now, but um, like I said, Crabtree signed. Uh, do you really see any fantasy impact there? Because I know we haven't talked talked about him yet in that respect. From a fantasy standpoint, I think at some point in time during the season, he is going to have some impact. And the biggest thing is that he comes from that lineage that that he knows that offense and he's he's been in it. He he starred at Texas Tech. So I, I think it's just going to be more of a comfort thing. We, you know, Hakeem Butler had an injury earlier. Uh, Andy Isabella has been banged up. So I think it's another body. They, they went ahead and cut perennial bust Kevin White. So I, I think it's somebody <laughs> who's more familiar with that offense can kind of help mold some of the younger wide receivers. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald's a legend. He's, he's been there forever, but it's going to be Kurt Crabtree. Who's more familiar with this offense. So I think he's going to be there to, to help these young receivers and just the offense in general. But I think there's going to, I think you're going to get about four to five games throughout the season of uh, usable stats out of Crabtree, but it's just trying to pick those games in a weekend and week out basis and figure out where, where it's going to lie. Um, if you want to go late round, uh, I'm talking like 13, 14th round, and, and go ahead and throw a dart at at Crabtree. I'm, I'm down for it. I don't have any objections to it. And that's going to do it for news. Um, I'm kind of really actually excited to get into the show. I've been looking forward to it um, even when we were doing the positional rankings. I just I think the idea of forming a, um, a mock draft with some guys who are Maybe not industry, but you know we have a few sports reporters in here, sports writers, some guys who just know the game, and then you mix in some some other people that we've played with in personal league, so that they add their touch into it. I've just been really excited for it, so we're gonna get into that. So we did a 12-team draft, 16 rounds. Uh, start one quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, one tight end, two flexes, and then we had some bench spots. So let's get right into it. So. Um, some of the guys we had drafting with us, just to point them out and shout them out because they deserved it. So our draft order went number one, Mr. Wesley Boone. He is uh, a former college buddy of mine. He is now a reporter for the 49ers Cal High High School Sports Show in California. It's the number one sports show, sports high school show in the entire country. So it was cool to get him involved. Lewis Pusinger, he's a guy who's in my home keeper league. He brings a different aspect to it. He's got a lot of differing opinions on quarterbacks and and um, you know, second-year player, so I was happy to get him involved. Then number three, Mock Draft Database. Scott, I want to throw this one to you. Talk about Mock Draft Database real quick and what they do. Yeah, so Mock Draft Database over the last two years has developed a system for grading mock drafts, uh, specifically the NFL mock drafts, along with uh, some of the major drafts for other sports as well. But specifically, they've really been hitting it hard over the last two years. They're... Uh, their big metric that they use is called the Herc score. Luckily, uh, in 2018, I was the most accurate projected uh, mock drafter with their system. And uh, in 2019, I finished second. So they're actually in the mix uh, and growing and, and getting really a lot bigger than than what some of the other uh, 
other people out there are in that field. I think you have uh, Fantasy Pros and maybe one or two other places that grade the mock drafts, but they're doing, they're really hitting it hard and, and doing something. I think there's a niche missing in that market, and they're actually going to be putting out some fantasy content, from what I understand, in the coming months as well. So I'm really interested to, to see some of the stuff that they're going to develop, and I was happy to have them on board. Thank you, Scott. Now, number four was Mr. Clint Lay. Shout out, Clint. Kilby, anything to say about the one they call Clint? <laughs> the guy makes me laugh. That's all I know. Uh, <laughs> fun, 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 really fun guy to play with. Uh, always keeps the humor coming in. Uh, even with his first pick here, he came back and said that's not what he actually meant to take. And we'll, we, we'll see what that pick was here in just a little bit. But yeah, love some Clint Lay. Clint plays in a dynasty uh, league that we have on uh, Reality Sports Online. We incorporate some salaries and stuff. Also in that league is going to be Mr. Steve Going, drafting with us. Steve, listen to our podcast all the time, and he is your number one source for preseason snap counts. If you need that, you find him for that. Um, drafting next was Mr. Kilby O'Rourke, uh, then Mr. Scott Smith, then Mr. Bo Younce. Bo is also in that um, fantasy dynasty league we play in, and Bo brings a really interesting element. He really... You know, he, he deserves credit for being a, a really good fantasy um, fantasy owner in our in our um, keeper league, but also in redraft. He had a really good draft, as we'll get to next. Um, and then drafting after that was Mr. Andrew Lopez, close friend of mine, formerly of the Times-Picayune, covering the New Orleans Pelicans. He covered LSU sports, LSU football. Um, the guy's just an awesome sports mind, a really good dude. Also hosts in WWL as well. Then drafting after that was Dylan Federico, just kind of a, a, um, a guy I wanted to bring on board. He is the currently the weatherman at WTVM in Columbus, Georgia. Dylan knows his shit about weather. Me and, dude, me and the dude went to high school together. He was talking weather at the age of eight, but we also started watching football together as well. And he was just a really cool football mind that I wanted to bring into. And I actually liked what he did with his team. Then after that was um, we had... Um, Chris Rosevaglu, he drafted 12th. He's a sports writer for The Spun Online. He's a former uh, radio producer out in New York City. Really smart fantasy mind. He um, covers the NFL and NCAA out for The Spun in New York City. So a cool group of guys we have here. Um, Scott, let's start with the first round right here. Wesley Boone went Christian McCaffrey first overall. No real shock there. Then we had Saquon Barkley to Lou. Then Alvin Kamara coming off at third. Then Clint goes Le'Veon Bell for, real quick, Scott, Le'Veon Bell at four. He said he didn't really mean to do it. I don't know what that means, but Le'Veon Bell at four. I mean, is that a guy who we say it's a reach, or do we just kind of mesh all these top first-round picks together and say, okay, apples to apples? Well, I think whenever you get to that four spot, if you're not going to go quarterback, and, and I've seen some drafts where, where people are, are pulling the trigger on Mahomes early in the first round. It's not my style. But I think you really have to make that decision on how comfortable you are and how risk-averse you're going to be as far as like drafting Ezekiel Elliott. In this situation, if you're not going to draft Ezekiel Elliott and you still want to go the running back route, I think your options here are David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell. And I can understand why somebody would go ahead and pull the trigger on Le'Veon Bell over David Johnson after seeing that, like we talked about what Arizona did in, in week two preseason game. There's some offensive line troubles there. They were just struggling. So I, I can understand this pick, and I, I really don't have issue with it if you want to be a little bit risk-averse and, and shy away from Ezekiel Elliott. 
Then, speaking of Zeke Elliott, that goes to Steve, fifth overall. Kilby, I have him down in the rankings. Um, what do you think about Ezekiel Elliott there at fifth overall? Do you kind of like that pick, or is it a little too early? Maybe a little early for me, even though there have been some reports out that they are still working on that contract. Uh, what was the contract numbers that they came out with that he would be considered the second highest paid running yeah, I think back three in the league? For Forty-five, yeah, yeah. So it's whether or not he decides to to accept that or continue on his path. In in this first round, it's one of those I I don't like taking a lot of risk. So I would probably at this particular spot either move and take the guy I did take, which was David Johnson, or take one of these top-tier receivers in that spot just to just take away that risk and go with something that I know is going to be there for me throughout the season. So you're not really too concerned about the, uh, about the offensive line with David Johnson because, like you just said, you went David Johnson sixth overall. No, I, I'm not worried about it at this moment. Um I just I, I'm excited to see what happens there. That, that offense, I don't think that offense could be any worse than what it was last season. So I, for one, see some positive regression coming for David Johnson this season, and I think this it, him falling right here into this sixth spot is within range of where he could finish on the season, if not better. Sounds good. And then we go down to Scott picking seven. Scott went DeAndre Hopkins. So Scott, not really a reach by you, obviously. But here's my question. And I'm just curious, and I'm not ragging on you. You have Devontae Adams ranked first. Why'd you go DeAndre Hopkins over Devontae Adams? Well, we talked about it last show, and it just depends on how I'm feeling at the at the moment. I mean, to <laughs> me, Hopkins and Adams are 1A and 1B. Sometimes when I, I want to think about stacking my guys, I think I have a little bit, uh, a little bit more chance of, of getting Deshaun Watson in some of the spots where I kind of don't like the talent. Sometimes I'll, I'll go Watson. So... In this particular thing, this draft, it was specifically with intent later on of possibly stacking Watson, but that didn't end up happening. So after those first six running backs are off the board, I started looking at who I had ranked as the seventh and eighth running back, and at this point in time, I just thought Hopkins was the play. Then going off the board at number seven, Mr. Devontae Adams, um, then going Eighth, actually ninth, excuse me. Scott was at seven with Hopkins. Eighth overall, Devontae Adams. Ninth overall, Michael Thomas by Andrew Lopez. We have Juju Smith-Schuster and Julio Jones over Michael Thomas, but I, I really think it's apples to apples. I don't think we really need to touch on it. I think Lopez is going with that hometown pick. He's a homer like me. Um, then I got Juju Smith-Schuster, which might seem like a reach to a lot of people. Um, you know, me and Scott have... Schuster at three, but I just kind of really like what Juju brings. I feel like we've talked about it a lot, but again, there's 168 targets missing in that offense, so I really think Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be the benefactor of that. I think you're going to see James Washington and Dante Moncrief get get some targets, but I mean, to, to think that 168 missing targets is not going to affect Juju in a huge way is kind of just mind-blowing to me, and I really think he can be the centerpiece of that offense. Now, we really do not know where that offense is going to head. I think you have James Conner, you have Jalen Samuels moving into this passing downs role, but I mean, just losing Antonio Brown is a big deal, so I don't know where the offense is going to go, but I just love the upside of Juju, of Juju Smith-Schuster, especially in PPR. I think in standard leagues, I would definitely have Julio above Juju, maybe even Tyree Kill, to be honest. I mean, I just, you know, I think it's a PPR play, but I just love getting Juju there. So um, at 11, um, Dylan Federico went Tyreek Hill, which, 
It's above Julio Jones. Julio Jones was still on the board. But again, kind of apples to apples. I don't really think it needs to be touched on. Going at 12 was James Conner. Now, James Conner going off the board right here at running back 7. Scott, you think that's kind of the range where we're going to see Conner go? Is that RB7? Yeah, I think Conner's going to be the guy that, that you see. And I hit on reasons why I like Jalen Samuels. And I kind of thought that he's going to cut into some of the, the work that Conner has. But lately coming out of camp is that that might not be the case, that Conner's still going to get his. And they're actually going to kind of move Samuels in as a, a jack-of-all-trades and, and have both of them on the field at some times. But that Conner is still going to get his touches. So last year, when before he got hurt, I want to say he was seeing right under 23 touches a game. Once he did get hurt, that kind of moved down to about 16 and a half. Half, so it'll be interesting to see where he's at, and if he maintains the touches that he saw last year, both in the receiving game and in the, the rushing offense, I I can see him having twenty two to twenty three, and I still think there's going to be room there for for Samuels to go ahead and, and mix in. But if it's a continuation of last year, this is exactly where he should be going. Then what's up? You had some ad, Kilby? Yeah, well, I, I wanted to backtrack just a hot second on yeah. Juju. I wanted to ask you about Juju Smith-Schuster here real quick. Yeah, of course, quick. man. What's up? Do you have any concerns here? We haven't really seen Juju in that number one spot role where he's going to be potentially facing double coverage. Like most of his production came last year from, you know, single coverage. And then the one game we did see where he was the primary guy, he had 10 targets, finished with five receptions for 37 yards. Now he did get a touchdown, but do you, do you personally have any concerns here with him being, I mean, I know there's a lot of targets left over, but him being the guy, do you have any concern of him stepping up and taking over that role? It's a good question. I really, I personally really don't. Um, actually, it's funny you asked this question because there were reports out of camp today that, concern me a little more and that's that he's working more on the outside part of the uh part of the offense and <laughs> I kind of want him to stay in the slot and run around the slot which I think is the case I think you bring in Dante Moncrief and you you have James Washington I think them succeeding is only is, is really not going to hurt him and it can only help Juju so I'm not super worried I think he's a guy who we've seen he's able to move around in the offense he's able to move to the side he can move outside if he wants to he likes to switch sides of the field. So I really like what I see out of that. I think you, you compare him to a guy like Michael Thomas in the sense that they move around a lot and they work that underneath. And it, it's almost, it's really difficult to double cover those guys. I mean, it's possible, but I'm not really banking on Juju being double covered all year. So I can see the concerns there, but um, I really just think, uh, again, <laughs> we beat this dead horse to death last show, but I think targets is king. Targets Targets are king. I think if Juju is getting that volume, I think it's going to just really result in um, in just fantasy fantasy stardom. I think Juju is banking on a potential wide receiver one year. That might sound crazy. I know you weren't here last show to defend yourself. You have him six. Scott is also right there with me at three. So I'll throw this one to Scott too. We have a little rankings dispute. Scott, are you kind of you're kind of okay with him at three? Are you worried about any of those um, issues that Kilby brought up? No, I'm not concerned with that at all. And I think the the narrative of looking at 
what Juju did in the one game without Antonio Brown. It's one of the weakest narratives of the offseason because he's played in other games without Antonio Brown where he's going over 100 yards and had touchdowns. So that one game last year is just a lazy argument to me. I think when it comes down to it, they're still going to scheme Juju to to be put into a position where he can go ahead and succeed, and that's going to be out of the slot. Is he going to mix in on the outside a little bit more? Of course he is, but I think you're still going to see the bread and butter of this system be Juju in the slot and have James Washington and, and Dante Moncrief on the outside, and I actually think Deontay Johnson will get mixed in here and there. Um, so I think... When you start looking at Juju, you have the targets there. I don't think there's going to be much change. Will he get a little bit more attention than what he's gotten in the past with Antonio Brown being going? Of course he is. But, I mean, we're talking about somebody who who has the potential to get 180 to 190 targets. And when you have that, I mean, I'm paying for opportunity there. So I'm perfectly comfortable with where he's at and that offense system and how it's going to be run. Sounds good. Now let's start with the second round right here. Chris goes Julio Jones, 13th overall. Then Dylan goes Mike Evans. Then I go Odell Beckham Jr. So real quick, guys, just to touch on a little bit, um, I think we're, we're kind of okay with Julio going pick 13 overall. I think that's fine. Mike Evans, though, here at 14th overall, seems a little bit early. I personally would have taken Chubb over him. Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon. Um, Scott, Mike Evans, is it a reach or is it just... Is it just preference, or what do you think in there? Look, I definitely think that there's some upside there with Mike Evans, and, and you know you've heard some some rumblings. Some people are starting to move him up draft boards and and where they have them ranked. But in this position, in the hype that's there for that Cleveland Browns offense, I, I would have taken Odell over him. But once you start looking at that and the running backs that are coming off the board, if you want a wide receiver, wide receiver start. I think that that's the position I'd start in. I just would have chosen Odell over Mike Evans. I love Odell Beckham Jr., so that's where I went right there. Third pick of the second round. We talked about it on the last show. I think Odell's got wide receiver one upside, and I don't think that's really disagreeable. I think everyone kind of feels that way. Um, so I just I like these wide receiver, wide receiver starts, and I think getting Juju is awesome, but getting Odell, that swing pick, just I was really happy with it. I, I personally like Nick Chubb a lot. So I kind of thought that over, but just went with Odell Beckham. I kind of feel like he's maybe the higher upside play in PPR, potentially in that Browns offense. I think, you know, you worry about Kareem Hunt coming back later in the year. But again, it's it's super close. I think Chubb's going to have an awesome year. So I, I, I want to key in on this. Andrew Lopez real quick went Todd Gurley, fourth pick of the second round. Kilby, would, have you, would you have gone Gurley that early or you think it's kind of where he would go? I think that's probably right about where he's going to go. Um, he, I, I probably would wait. If I was in that position, I would probably, I would have taken Nick Chubb over him personally, just because I, I, I like what's going on with that Cleveland uh, offense right now and everything uh, going on there. I just want a piece of that offense. And I think Nick Chubb's going to get a lot of work. I think he's going to have a lot of shots at, um, at, at uh, running in some touchdowns as far as, from the one-yard line when we see what goes on with this rule for pass interference. So me personally, I would have taken Chubb there, but I, I definitely see Gurley going in the second round somewhere. Scott, uh, we, this is probably going to be one of the, the talking points of this round. Um, Todd Gurley, what are, your, what are your takes on him right here, uh, fourth pick of the second round? I mean, we're talking about him. He's what, the the running back eight coming off the board? I, I do think 
Kilby's correct. I, I, I like Nick Chubb, and we'll get to my pick. Uh, you know, I have Dalvin Cook as the, the running back seven. So w- when it comes down to it, I don't think you can really argue. He's in a high-octane offense. If they scale back some of the work and keep him fresh, I mean, he's 25 years old still. He does have a little bit of an injury history, but we kind of hit on it a, a few shows back and, and wondering how much of the, the hype against Gurley and his injuries is, is bullshit. And I just think there's a there's a way there that Todd Gurley still ends up being a top 10 running back, especially in that that Rams offense. And I'm not arguing. I'm not hating on the pick at all right here. I, I think if you believe in Gurley, this is where you pick him. Sounds good. Moving up the board, Bo goes Joe Mixon. Then Scott goes Dalvin Cook. Um, we're going to talk about our draft picks. Uh, talk talk a little bit about that Dalvin Cook pick there, Scott. I see Nick Chubb was still on the board. So for me, I have Dalvin Cook at running back seven. I have Nick Chubb at running back eight. So essentially, the decision that I had in in the first round was what to do after the first six running backs were taken off the board. Having Dalvin Cook and looking at where his ADP has fallen, I decided to go with Hopkins in the first round, hoping that I could get Cook there in the in the second round. And if I couldn't get Cook, the next two players that I are looking at was Nick Chubb and, and Travis Kelsey. So that's where my mindset was in this draft, and I was happy to see Dalvin come down. I'm super hyped for him this year with uh, Kubiak coming over and Stefanski being an offensive coordinator. I think they're going to kind of tailor back that that offense a little bit more and and be a lot more run-heavy than what they have been in the past. And I think if Dalvin Cook can stay healthy, then I think the sky's the limit for him this year. And I think he could potentially finish as a top-five running back in fantasy football. Couldn't agree more. Kilby, you pick right next to Scott. So, uh, look, I, I started a league um, earlier this year with David Johnson and Nick Chubb as well. So you got Nick Chubb in the middle of the uh, second round. Do you think that was a value? I did. I was torn. Uh, it took me a minute to make that pick because I was torn between Ch- either taking Chubb or Kelsey here. And my thing is I, I don't value the tight end position as much as I value the running back position. So I ended up leaning towards Chubb. Uh, but it was a tough decision for me uh, here, and I just like having a, a nice, strong stable of running backs to start out with if I can possibly do it. just And it just happened to work out that way. I, for me, I was actually really surprised to see Chubb fall to me here. Sounds good. Now, coming up next, Steve goes Travis Kelsey towards the end, kind of middle-ish to the end of the second round. Um, that's kind of where he's going around this range. Scott, Kelsey's basically a wide receiver, so this pick's got to be okay, right? I actually think Travis Kelsey's being undervalued for what he is. I think that there is a clear drop-off after Kelsey. Um, I, I do have Kittles as the the number two tight end, but after those two, I think you really have some questions, at least I do, as far as, like, is Zach Ertz going to get the the targets that, that he needs to, to finish up there with those two guys? But I, I think Kelsey's being undervalued as far as what he can bring for a draft strategy when you're talking about roster construction. I've actually seen some drafts where he's going in the first round, and I would consider him there, especially in a PPR. He's essentially the 1A or the 1B in that offense when you start talking about Tyreek Hill, and he's attached to Patrick Mahomes. So I think he's going to get his, and I think he's one of the safer picks. And right here where he's going, I consider him a value. I would actually prefer him there at the, in the late first round as either the last pick of the first round or the first pick of the second round. I couldn't agree more, Scott. I think Kelsey is... He's, I said glorified wide receiver. He is Patrick Mahomes' number one target. Clint goes carry on Johnson next. Now, I'm the carry on Johnson guy. 
But I think, you know, I, I, I really try not to be obsessed with the angle of, you know, draft best player available. I try not to always do that. Um, I love carry on, but I think I would have went Keenan Allen, who was still on the board, though. But um, Kilby, carry on going towards the end of the second. What are your opinions on that? I, I would agree with you there. I would have taken Keenan Allen here as well. But, I mean, carry on's going to get a lot of carries. I, what that no, offense is going to look like, I, I, I really don't know. Um, Matt Patricia didn't really in, instill a lot of faith in a lot of fantasy owners last season. So. Yeah, I would have taken. I, I probably wouldn't have taken carry on here. I would have, if for me, I would probably wait till the third round, maybe. But I mean, I who knows? Who knows how that's going to shake out? Carry on could could put on a big big show this year. I kind of like carry on towards the end of this round and the three turn. Like I'm okay with it. But I mean, I just look at a guy like Keenan Allen, and I think he's still on the board there, and I would rather him. Scott, do you agree? Yeah, I absolutely agree. We took, we hit on it at the top of the show. If Carrion's not getting the the catches that a lot of people are projecting him to get, then his his upside is definitely capped, and it's capped more in that area of the third round. And we'll hit that on some of these other running backs. But I actually think the running backs that we're going to get to in the third round have a little bit more upside, especially in the passing game compared to Carrion Johnson. Sounds good. So going up the board, mock draft database goes Damian Williams. Scott, I gotta ask you, is it too early? For me, it's too early, but hey, news coming out of out of Kansas City is that your boy Hyde might end up getting cut. So if Hyde <laughs> gets cut, that's one less mouth to feed to to that goal line roll that you uh, talked on and hit on so hard. But I, I'm not a Damian Williams guy. He's just not somebody that I'm gonna go ahead and, and target here. I think the the smarter play, if you want a piece of that backfield, is gonna be with Darwin Thompson later in the draft. So it'll be interesting to kind of see where he fell in our mock draft. But hey, if you're starting with Alvin Kamara and you can get the upside and, and you're you're a believer in in Damian Williams, that's a good start if he if he performs the way a lot of people are projecting him to. Real quick, Scott, if Damian, you just kind of said it there, but. Damian Williams, if he plays 14 games this year, is he a top 12 running back? I don't think so. Really? Wow. I don't think he's going to finish even at 14 games. I I like what Darwin Thompson brings to to the table and to that offense, and I I think it's going to be more of a a split backfield than what people think. I think there's still upside to where he can get around 20 to 22 touches a game, which is what he saw off of that that four-game stretch, but it's an entirely small sample size to be projecting Damian Williams as high as what he is. I would feel more comfortable with people that take him in the middle of the third round or the late third round if you can get him, but hey, the hype's there, and that's what's driving him up to the second round. Sounds good. So then Lewis goes Keenan Allen. I think we both think that that's a value, and that's fine. Then the swing pick by Mr. Wesley Boone. He goes Antonio Brown. Scott, you're not the Brown guy, but, I mean, looking at the board here, Amari Cooper, T.Y. Hilton, Adam Thielen, Edelman Diggs. Wide receiver-wise, we all kind of had Brown the highest guy, so I know you don't like him here, Scott, but, I mean, you know, what are you thinking? Would, would have you, you have gone Leonard Fournette over him or Zach Ertz or – or what are you thinking here with Brown at the end of the second? So, look, I've been vocal as far as how I feel about Antonio Brown and why I'm staying away from him. 
on the flip side, you look at his history and his production and, and what he's been. And let's go ahead and bring the next pick uh, for Wesley at the top of the third to start in, in, in Patrick Mahomes. And I can completely understand why he starts this way, because with McCaffrey, Antonio Brown and Patrick Mahomes, he has the upside and the possibility that he can have the number one player at each one of those positions. So it, it's hard to knock that whenever there's that upside there with those picks. And I, I think it's a, in this range, it's a somewhat safe pick as far as history goes. So if you're looking for players that have the history, you know, of performance that you're looking for, then I can definitely understand the pick here. I've, I've, like I said, I've been vocal as to why I'm I'm steering away from him. I still think there's some caution tape to put up when it comes to drafting Antonio Brown, but especially when you, when you add him here with McCaffrey and Mahomes, I completely understand the start. Kilby is Mahomes at the beginning of the third round, 25th overall. Is that too early? Rich for my blood, unless he's able to duplicate what he did last season. And this is about the only way I can justify it. I, I just don't like taking quarterbacks early, and every we're all expecting a regression to come here. I mean, how much? Who knows? I mean, the guy, the guy's very talented. He could put up some gaudy numbers. So I, I wouldn't take him here. But I, I, I think in the majority of the leagues that you're going to be drafting and you're going to see him go in these top three rounds people are just going to lock on to those numbers from last season it's going to be tough to have him fall to you in the fourth so yeah it, it you know it's kind of funny because you know it's it's double-edged sword right you say it's too early too rich for your blood but it's like what if he goes nuts again it's like okay well then it's then it's easy to say but it's also it's you know it's hard to predict that so then we go to lewis melvin gordon 26th overall. I think it's too early. Um, but I mean, we know what the upside is, but Scott, are you kind of playing with fire with this pick right here? Look, I, I really want to get into this topic as far as Melvin Gordon and the news that's been coming out over the last few days has been pretty consistent that both the Chargers and Melvin Gordon are prepared for a long holdout. And let's go ahead and, and drag Lewis's fifth round pick into the, into this conversation right now, because in the fifth round, he picked Austin Eckler. So I think this situation and the route that he took with uh, taking Gordon and then trying to back it up and and double down with the insurance of Eckler really cannibalized the upside of his strategy and trying to build his roster. And it's just not something that that I think was a good move. I think I could see drafting Melvin Gordon the fifth round where he drafted Austin Eckler. And I think that's where you start thinking about him because the upside's there. If he does come back at the end of eight games and maybe you can get him in as your, your running back three on your roster, I think there's some upside to be had there. But look, I'm completely uncomfortable with this pick and taking him here. I think the other running backs on the board offer similar production to what Gordon brings without having any of the risk of, of missing any of the game. So I'm completely off of this pick right here. And I think this is, this is a move right here that if you make, this is, this is the type of thing that can lose you your league. I agree a little too early. You mentioned Eckler. It's, it's two running backs in the same backfield in the first five rounds. That's incredibly risky. It just, it sets up for a, it puts a lot of emphasis on, you know, your waiver wire maintenance, George Kittle going next in the middle of the third round. He goes off the board as tight end, too. This is kind of where he's going to go. Not much to talk about there. Then Clint goes Amari Cooper. Then we have T.Y. Hilton, Adam Thielen. Then, Scott, you go Leonard Fournette. Scott, what are you thinking with this pick? Just kind of were you surprised that he lasted that long? 
Yeah, absolutely. To me, Leonard Fournette should have went where Melvin Gordon is. And for me, it was a little bit of a toss up there with uh, taking Leonard Fournette or Josh Jacobs, who goes at the last pick here in the third round. And essentially, I'm tossing these guys around and there was a a big injury there with the offensive line with Gabe Jackson over there and with the Raiders. And then you start really factoring in John DeFilippo and and how he's going to be a little bit more pass centric there. And, and I think Leonard Fournette has more upside in the passing game than what people have been giving him credit for. I think his injury history is a little bit of a concern with that ankle that he's been having problems with way back since LSU. But given if he can stay healthy, you look at last year and his upside, he was getting drafted in the middle of the first round. So to get him here in the third round as my running back two behind Dalvin Cook to go along with DeAndre Hopkins, I thought was a no-brainer. Had I not taken him or had Leonard Fournette been off the board, my likely pick would have been Josh Jacobs. So Kilby, I um I'm a big I'm a big guy for the wide receiver, wide receiver, obviously. So you went running back, running back. You got Nick Chubb at great value. And then you come in the middle of the third and you get Adam Thielen, who finished as a top 10 wide receiver last year in fantasy. He's easily a wide receiver one for all of us. Were you pretty ecstatic to be able to start running back, running back, and still be able to get a wide receiver one with your third, with your third overall pick? Oh, I was super excited about that. And that's part of the reason why when I took Chubb in the second, a lot of the big wide receivers were already off the board. So I taking Chubb for me, I, I, I'm not, I'm don't, I'm trying to stay away from Antonio Brown. I just don't know what's going to happen there with him. I'm pretty sure he'll play a full season, but at the same time, he's been downgraded with his quarterback situation and with all this drama going on. Keenan Allen with his uh, his injury history just also just kind of scares me there. So that's why I went went ahead and went with Chubb. And then to come back around and get Adam Thielen, yeah, I, I just felt like that just fell right into my lap perfectly. So it was a no-brainer for me. I, I I like Leonard Fournette, but I didn't want to go three running backs to start. Like I needed a, a top end wide receiver there. That's fair, and I think it's it, it's it's good when you say that because that's something that it's like a lot of people might have to deal with. It's like, well, you know, I have this guy ranked, you know, where I have him, but I don't want to start three running backs. So I think it's fair to do that. I think in a standard league, you can do do that and feel fine, but. I totally understand what you're saying there. Bogo Zach Ertz, this is kind of where he's going. Uh, maybe a little bit later from where he's going. Um, so not a bad bad value right there for Mr. Zach Ertz. Uh, Aaron Jones to Mr. Andrew Lopez. It's about where he's going. I kind of like that pick. Then I went Julian Edelman. So I went Julian Edelman with the, um, that's the ninth pick, actually the tenth pick of round three here. Just kind of my preference. I, I have Julian Edelman as my wide receiver 13 I love the PPR upside for him, and I love the PPR floor. So I think if Edelman can find the end zone this year, he'll be a guaranteed top 12 wide receiver, in my opinion. I think it's just going to depend on his red zone usage. I think losing Gronk is going to be a big reason why Edelman's going to have such a high floor. So I really like that pick. Um, you know, looking looking at the draft board, I see Josh Jacobs. I see Marlon Mack. I see Chris Carson. I see those guys. Devontae Freeman was someone I kind of battled with because – out of that group of running backs, I have Freeman ranked um, kind of the highest, but I was kind of just just liking my start with Edelman. I knew I could f- kind of find some some good running back depth in the later rounds. That's kind of how I was thinking that the draft room would go because I saw a lot of running backs go off the board early. So I kind of thought I could get some more running back depth later with not a lot of people 
really going so many running back picks. So that's why I went Edelman right there. I know you guys um, kind of might have some diff- differing opinions on Edelman versus Diggs, but I think they're all in the same range. So not really much of a reason to talk about it more. So Dylan goes Stephon Diggs. He follows my route of three wide receivers. We were the only people to go three straight wide receivers um, in these rounds. And then Josh Jacobs to Chris at the end of the third. Scott, you're the highest on Jacobs. You converted me, and I raised Jacobs up in my rankings. Was this too early, or you think this is kind of the range where you're going to see him go? No, I think this is the range where you're going to see him go, and I talked about it. I would have drafted him in the middle around at six had Fournette not been there, and really with Fournette on the board, I was still toggling and, and grappling with myself back and forth as to who I was going to go. Ultimately, I went Fournette, but I think when you start looking at that Melvin Gordon had, had Melvin Gordon not been drafted in this round, a lot of these running backs could have been pushed up a little bit further. So I, I think Jacobs is a, is a value right here. And you start looking at these these big three rookie running backs and Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, and Miles Sanders, and they're all moving up ADPs right now. So where you've been drafting them in, in early mock drafts, move them up about a round to a round and a half now. And I think this was actually value for, for Josh Jacobs. Starting the fourth round, Chris swings it with Kenny Galladay, Kilby. Kenny Galladay goes to the beginning of the fourth round, but look at the wide receiver position for one. Look who's still on the board. Chris Godwin, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Tyler Boyd, just guys who we've seen have a lot of upside at that position. Kilby, am I the only one who thinks Kenny Galladay was too early, or are you kind of on the same boat? I'm on the same boat here. It was definitely way too early for for Galladay Again, we're looking at an offense that wants to be more run-heavy. And then you've got Marvin Jones there on the other side. Those two guys are going to be competing for those targets. So I I would have liked the upside more of uh, Godwin here, especially when that Bruce Arian. I've always been a big fan of the Bruce Arian offense. Uh, even Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, I want to get some of those Ram receivers because we know what type of points that they're going to be putting up. So I would have went more for the upside in those guys over Galladay here. Running back Chris Carson, Marlon Mack, James White, Devontae Freeman. Some of those guys were still on the board. So Dylan comes back with Chris Carson. Um, Just really quickly, Scott, if you're starting wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, how happy are you going to be to start with Chris Carson as your running back one in the fourth round? Look, I'm comfortable with that. And you can even look at some of the running backs that went after Chris Carson. If you build the upside in a PPR league to go with the – you know, a volatile but big producer in Tyree Kill. Mike Evans has been consistent. You're talking about Diggs being over 140 targets. So if you're going to go ahead and go that route to start, these are the guys that you're going to have to go ahead and be comfortable with. And Chris Carson's produced there in Seattle, and, and they run the ball a lot. So I, I think he's a perfect fourth-round pick candidate, especially if you're, you're trying to get him as your running back two or if you start off with a heavy wide receiver set as your running back one. I went Marlon Mack um, next, the third pick of the fourth round. I've moved Marlon Mack over Devontae Freeman. I'm nervous about the injuries with Devontae Freeman. That's not to say Marlon Mack doesn't have his own injury issues, but look, the reports out of camp have been glowing about Marlon Mack. I mean, I think you're seeing a lot of usage out of Mack. You saw over the weekend in his preseason game, he saw a lot of snaps with the first team. You didn't even see Hines get in there. So I think to start off wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver for me, Going someone like Marlon Mack, who, if healthy, is going to have that 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 running back one role in that offense, I just had to do it. James White was still on the board. I have that thing for James White, but 
I just kind of liked where I got Marlon Mack there. I think, you know, to ideally to ideally start with Marlon Mack after three wide receivers who could all be top 12, in my opinion, I think that was great. So I was happy with that. So James White goes next to Andrew Lopez. Then Bo goes Chris Godwin. Uh, a really a good pick there. I think we know Chris Godwin's got this immense upside. Scott, you go Devontae Freeman. So I really want to talk to you about your last three picks. So you go DeAndre Hopkins first. Then you go Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, and Devontae Freeman. Those three guys have top five upside. I think we'd all agree on that. But, man, you got three running backs who have an interesting injury history. Do you want to talk about that? So the thing that I looked at, and, you know, Chris Godwin was my target here. So Bo, Bo went ahead and, and sniped me one pick before. We play in some leagues together, and he knows I have Godwin on those teams. So it, it's understandable for him. And it, it's I can't say at this rate it was a mistake by, by not picking Godwin. I mean, how much higher can you really pick Godwin? But for me – I wanted to go with the upside with uh, Devontae Freeman after Godwin came off the board. I, I think when you start looking at it and the three running backs I have at this point, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, and, and Freeman, while while they do have injury history, their backups are, are pretty much free going very late in the, in the double-digit rounds. I mean, they're guys that you can get in 13th, 14th, 15th round. So for me, the upside really outweighed the injury risk. Devontae Freeman, we have him ranked as our, our running back 14, I think. And uh, I, I just think the value is there especially when you start looking at things and, and how they're going to shake out, it's really hard to get three down running backs. And I think each one of them in this situation is a three down running back. And if I can pick up three of them and get the running back 14 on our ranking list in the fourth round, it's a, it's a value that I'm going to go ahead and take. Have to like it. Now, Kilby, you go Brandon cooks and see, this is where, you know, when we were evaluate when I was evaluating these teams, I should say, I really I really, when I re-looked at it, I really enjoyed what you did. I, I kind of was impressed by it because you go running back, running back, and you're worried that you're going to be thin at wide receiver. But you get you get a wide receiver one in Adam Thielen. Then you get Brandon Cooks, who while I don't have ranked as a wide receiver one, he's finished as wide receiver one the last few years. I mean, the guy has been Mr. Consistent. Were you kind of happy with that? Did you not expect to get a wide receiver like Cooks right there? Yeah, especially in that Rams offense. I was Anytime I can get... Uh, a player that's in one of those types of offenses that are going to be explosive. I'm going to be very thrilled. Now, looking at it now, I probably would have rather have had Robert Woods here just because I think he and Goff have a better connection. Also, Robert Woods uh, tends to get some uh, rushing attempts as well. So I like that particular type of upside. But yeah, I'm not hating on this at all. I, to to go running back, running back, and then end up with Adam Thielen and Brandon Cooks is my my wide receiver one wide receiver two i i i couldn't have planned that like uh that for that uh, my strategy is to let the draft come to me and that's just kind of how that worked out it's a great point kilby i think people need to really take that into consideration just it's kind of hard to stick to a strategy just let the draft come to you because while you might be like i'm so hard pressed with going wide receiver wide receiver or you know whatever your your strategy is shit like this can fall to you and that's it. your kill be your prime example david montgomery to steve going next overall looking at these running backs you kind of got the sony michelle's miles sanders scott's favorite guy derrick henry Tariq cohen mark ingram on the board philip Lindsay. was david montgomery too much of a reach right here scott um in the fourth round in a redraft league 
No, absolutely not, especially at this point in the game. All the news is coming out of Chicago that they absolutely love David Montgomery. He catches the ball. He's hard between tackles. So I I think you're going to see them get very – I just think they're going to use the ball, and they're going to run the ball a lot. And I think what they had last year with Tyreek Cohen, I think Montgomery – matches Tyreek Cohen and and you have a thunder and lightning there I I think he's a much more versatile back than what you saw out of Josh Howard last year and for a team that's going to play a lot of defense and for a team that's also having a little bit of concern about the development of Mitch Trubisky I think Montgomery fits that offense perfectly for what they want to do which is play defense and run the ball and then try to get Tyreek Cohen out in space Tevin Coleman to Clint directly after that Kilby it's a little too early for Tevin Coleman huh I think so. Uh, I mean, they're, they're going to utilize most of those running backs. I mean, I would rather go with the cheap end and wait later and take Brita over Coleman. So, yeah, I, I think he's a little early there. Tevin Coleman goes in towards the end of the fourth round. Sony Michelle, Austin Eckler, Miles Sanders, Derek Henry, Dree Cohen, Mark Ingram, Phil Lindsay. All these guys are on the board, even Kenyon Drake. So Latavius Murray I have over him, Duke Johnson, just – a little bit of a stretch, in my opinion, for Tevin Coleman. Mock draft database goes Robert Woods. Then Lewis goes Tyler Lockett, which seems like a little bit of a reach to us, but it's kind of where the ADP shows. Then Wesley goes Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd at the end of the fourth. And then he goes Sony Michelle at the beginning of the fifth. So, you know, we're I'm sitting here, you know, personally, I'm kind of not ragging on him, but I'm like, okay, Mahomes at the beginning of the third, that could be a reach. But then he gets this value of what seems to be value with Tyler Boyd and Sony Michelle in the fourth and the fifth. So, Scott, that's got to be the perfect swing if you go Mahomes in the third, right? Like, you, you kind of did not expect that much talent to fall to you. Yeah, I think things worked out well for him. I think he's got five players that can that can perform at their ADP and return value. I think Michelle's a, a nice value here in, in, in the fifth round. I think he's a guy who could potentially lead the league in rushing touchdowns. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities for Michelle and that, that Belichick offense and over there with Tom Brady. And, you know, I, I, I think Boyd's a guy that's, that's slowly moving up my board. I, I like him more than Tyler Lockett at this point in time. Uh, I think he, he's somebody that could actually outperform Robert Woods and some of these other guys. So I think he got value in all five rounds there to start his draft. And I think when you can do that from a, a roster construction standpoint, you just have to fill in the gaps in the back half of the draft. So then to start the fifth, like we said, Sony Michelle, then Lewis goes Eckler. We talked about it. It's just a lot of risk to go two running backs from the same team in the first five rounds. You have to really trust yourself to be on the waiver wire. And look, to lose defense, we know these guys. I played with Lou last year, and Lou was a guy who scooped up Nick Chubb, paid a lot of attention to the waiver wire. So Lou might just have kind of a thought process of, I can play the waiver wire. So we see my draft database goes to Sean Watson, third pick of the fifth round here. You know, we're not the quarterback early guys, but Deshaun Watson, that's your number one overall quarterback, Kilby. Is it a little too early or, I mean, this is kind of, maybe he just didn't like what was on the board. You know, what are you thinking about Deshaun Watson, the second quarterback, third pick of the fifth round? Now that we're reaching the fifth round, I'm okay with it. If you have a quarterback that you want and he's there and you don't see anything else around that you're, that's really jumping out with you, then, then take your quarterback, take your guy. So I, I have no issues with it. Deshaun Watson right there. Then Clint goes Alshon Jeffrey, Cooper Cup, Jarvis Landry, A.J. Green, Mike Williams, D.J. Moore, Calvin Ridley were all on the board, Scott. 
Is it a little too early for Alshon? I think Alshon's being a, a little bit underappreciated for uh, what he can do. Uh, I have him finishing as a, a top 25 receiver this year. So I think when you're, you're looking at roster construction, uh, I think where the mistake was made was with Tevin Coleman in that fourth round. I think that's too early. I think that kind of forces you to to go with a guy like Jeffrey as your, your wide receiver two. I'd be more comfortable with him as a, a wide receiver three. But I, I think the sixth round is, is a little bit more value you know, wise for, for Jeffrey, and it's where I, I would be more comfortable with him. Miles Sanders goes next to Steve directly after that. Then Kilby, you went quarterback, Mr. Aaron Rodgers. He is the GOAT. I know that. But I want to hear your reasoning for going Derek, or not Derek Henry, Aaron Rodgers right here. I'm usually a wait on a quarterback type drafter. But when I got here in the fifth round and saw Aaron Rodgers there, I, for me, I just I felt like I needed to jump on him here. Uh, he finished as the seventh best quarterback last year. We know that it was a bit of a down year. Him and Mike McCarthy were having issues. So I see some positive regression coming for Aaron Rodgers, and I think he's going to have the potential to outperform that ADP. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't see a lot else around that I wanted like I, I, for me and Aaron Rodgers was sitting there. So I just plucked him. Were you, let me just, I'm just curious. I love Cooper cup this year, but would that be something you would have considered if you did not go Brandon cooks? Cause I, I know you wouldn't want two of those wide receivers in the same offense, right? Right. Now, when it comes to redraft, I like to just spread it out a little bit. I'm, I'm now I'm mean, a lot like Scott, like I do like to stack if at all possible. So we'll talk about this a little bit later, but there was a receiver I was looking to pair with Aaron Rodgers that that was taken from me. And I was thinking he would fall uh, to me in, a, in another round. But um, yeah, I don't I don't want to take two wide receivers from from the same offense if I can, if if I can, if at all possible. Um, but if it works out that way then maybe I can trade one later in the season, see how that works out, if, if that's the value there. Scott, announce your next pick, sir. <laughs> ah, the next pick is the one and only Andrew Scherer's favorite player, Derrick Henry. May so, I, well, look, quickly before you go into it, just so I can like lay my groundwork so I don't have to get ribbed on. Look, you mentioned it, Derrick Henry. I think he went off the board right here as running back 27. That's correct? Yeah, running back 27th in in this draft. And, and, you know, just looking at it and you look where we have him ranked, and I, I think that says enough. But go ahead. I No, I, I, no, I, I mean, I was, I was going to give you some props. I mean, look, I have – here's my thing. I have Derrick Henry as RB27. So, you know, getting him at 27, it makes the most sense. It, it makes sense, right? But my thing is I look at guys like Tariq Cohen, Mark Ingram, um, Philip Lindsay. Eh, like, you know, we can battle, fight on Philip Lindsay. He's moving down in my rankings, I think. Latavius Murray, though, I like more than him, but actually, I actually have Latavius Murray a spot behind, literally. But, I mean, I'll ask you this, and I'll let you defend it. Why not Tariq Cohen or Mark Ingram, especially in a PPR league? So, for me, the main thing that I looked at when I came to this spot, I started off with Hopkins, and I went three more running backs, Cook, Fournette, and Freeman. It's a value standpoint, and... You know, for me, I have Derrick Henry ranked as my running back 17. He's there on the board as the running back 27. When I'm looking at my roster construction and how I want to attack the rest of the draft, I just feel like I'm almost at a point where I'm done with running back. If I draft Derrick Henry here and he proves to be what I think he can 
be. I just feel like I can really hammer out some of the value in the middle rounds in the wide receiver position, which is what I attempted to do. And I think this is just a situation where you get to, you know, Cohen's a satellite back. So is he going to get as much volume as what he got? If everybody's as high on David Montgomery as where he got drafted, you could see some drop off there with Cohen. You know, Lindsey's moving down or it is with, with Royce Freeman and then, you got Ingram, who would be in consideration, but I, I just think at this point in time, Derrick Henry doesn't have a, a lot as far as competition. I think the four running backs that I took are all the lead guys within their offense that are set to get the bulk of the carries and the bulk of the work. And I think at this point in the draft, there's a clear drop-off after that as far as those guys go. Good enough, Scott. Cooper Cup to Bo next, then Jarvis Landry, Andrew Lopez. Then I go Tariq Cohen. Now, I was actually super excited with this pick. I know I'm higher on Tariq Cohen than you are, but I see I saw these running backs, and I was hoping Miles Sanders would make it back to me, but he didn't, but that's okay. I, I was kind of happy with Tariq Cohen here. I think Tariq Cohen, again, has that PPR floor that I really like. And look, again, it's it, I started wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. So I was kind of like needing a running back who I think – won't fall off. I don't really see a world in that Tariq Cohen becomes unstartable, right? I mean, you know, you have a guy like Marlon Mack, Philip Lindsay, where if they fell off the, the face of the earth, I don't think we'd be that shocked. So I like kind of going Tariq Cohen here. I thought it was a, a safe pick for my um, running back too. Mark Ingram goes second, um, actually after Tariq Cohen, excuse me, in this, um, in this round. So I was hoping Ingram would make it back to me, but you know, Look, Dylan went wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. So starting off with those two running backs, that's a pretty good start. Chris goes Phillip Lindsay, and then on the swing, he goes Baker Mayfield. So that that he drafts Baker Mayfield as quarterback number four, which, I mean, Kilby, that's not outlandish, right? I mean, it's not ideal. It's not how we have it ranked, but we know Baker's got that upside, right? Uh, I, I'm excited to see what that Cleveland offense is going to do this year. The guy has the swagger. He has the confidence. He's going to go out there and sling it. He has some of the best weapons in the league. Only concerns could potentially be that offensive line. If it, you know, whether they can hold out through, hold up throughout the season. So I, I like to pick here. I, I would love to have Mayfield on my team. Then Dylan goes Calvin Ridley with the second pick of the sixth round. Um, I like the value here. Um, I know we talked about it in the last podcast, Scott. I really like Calvin Ridley this year. I'm getting Calvin pretty much everywhere that I draft. Um, he started three wide receivers on his team, and he, so we have that we have that second flex. So, I mean, if I was him, I would have went Kenyon Drake just because I think he needed some running back depth because he started so wide receiver heavy. But look, Scott, two flexes. He already had three re- three receivers. Would you be happy with coming out of um, the first six rounds with Tyreek Hill, Mike Evans, Stephon Diggs, and Calvin Ridley as your wide receivers? Yeah, I actually like the Ridley pick more than the Drake pick that you mentioned. And I think there's some other wide receivers right here that all make sense. Whenever you're filling your your fourth wide receiver position, you know, the second flex position with a guy that you have as, as your breakout guy, who who I think in our rankings is the, the wide receiver 19 or, or 20, I don't think you can argue with the value of, of Ridley in the sixth round. So I'm much more comfortable with him rather than Kenyon Drake here. Yeah, I kind of look at it. Um, you know, I, I went Drake with my next pick. Um, you know, I love Ridley this year as that breakout, but I just... You know, I, I guess sometimes when, when I go heavy receiver, I really want to try to knock down some upside at the running back position, which 
While I'm saying that, though, I think me and Dylan actually both did that in the next round. So I went Kenyon Drake. I, I kind of just, I really do like the upside of Kenyon Drake. He just got out of the walking boot. Um, I expect to see him out there week one. I'm a little nervous about usage and his injury history. I mean, he's never really held up incredibly well. But look, this was a guy last year who fantasy owners were incredibly frustrated with, yet he still finishes a top 20 back. I mean, the guy's got good PPR upside and in a, a pretty nice floor if he stays on the field. So that's why I went Drake right there. Christian Kirk to Andrew Lopez really quickly, Kilby. Was that a little too early with DJ Moore, AJ Green, Mike Williams, and even Allen Robinson being on the board? Yeah, there's a lot of mouths to feed in that Arizona offense, so I probably would have held off a little bit longer on Christian Kirk here. So, yeah, I mean, DJ Moore, A.J. Green, I sixth round, I mean, that, that, that could be good value depending on how soon he's able to come back. We know he's going to be missing time to start the season. How long, we don't know. Um, but, yeah, I think I think right now with with way things are going in Arizona, Christian Kirk here was probably a little too early. A little too early right there for Andrew Lopez with Christian Kirk. Then Bo goes DJ Moore. Scott, I got to ask, did he snipe you again? Yeah, absolutely. He sniped <laughs> me. And, I, and, and look, this is the point that I want to make uh, about being alert and being aware of who you're drafting with. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with Bo. We play in leagues together. He's from North Carolina out there in, in that area. So whenever I decided to take Henry, the, the real decision that I was making was, Am I going to take Henry at the expense of, of foregoing DJ Moore? And I took that that educated guess that I thought I would be able to get DJ Moore here in the sixth round, and I should have been more aware and alert that Bo was drafting that spot before me. He he already had Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, and Cooper Cup on his roster, so I expected him to go a little bit more in, in the running back range. But looking at the running backs that were available, I understand why he went with the upside of DJ Moore. Plus, he lives out there in, in the Charlotte area. So you start connecting all the dots, and it, it should have been a no-brainer to me that he was going to end up with DJ Moore. So that led me to pivot to A.J. Green. A.J. Green's ADP is is right around pick 53. So here, you know, this late in the sixth round, I thought he had some upside and some value, even if he misses some game, to go ahead and pair with DeAndre Hopkins as a, as my, my wide receiver, too. So uh, even if he misses some games, I think the upside at this point in time with Green is is worth valuing, especially when you can kind of hit on some of these other guys coming up next couple of rounds, maybe to get you through the first two to three weeks that he may miss. Kilby, you go OJ Howard with that next pick. Um, talk a little about it, a little bit about it. So that's your tight end four right there going with him. Did you just really not like the other value, and you just kind of thought OJ Howard was the the, the best upside play here? Yeah, and I wanted to get a piece of that uh, Tampa Bay offense with O.J. Howard. I mean, the guy was absolutely explosive last uh, season when he was on the field, and I just didn't want to miss out on that next tight end run. As you can see, I mean, looking at it now, I it looks like I started that next tight end run here, and I didn't like a lot of the guys behind him. So I, with him sitting there, I just wanted to go ahead and take him to round out my uh, starting lineup and just kind of move from there. So we got Mike Williams goes off the board next to Steve. Then, then a little tight end run. Um, it was really interesting to see this. Clint goes Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram to mock draft database. Then Jared Cook to Lou. And then Eric Ebron to Wesley. Um, Wesley then started the seventh by going Allen Robinson, which uh, I'll throw it a little bit to Scott. Scott, that seems like a good value, but I feel like the Eric Ebron pick in round six kind of throws off that value. Like I feel like if 
Wesley would have went Robbie Anderson, or Robbie Anderson, excuse me, Allen Robinson, and then maybe like a Latavius Murray and, uh, you know, maybe a, or a Mar- Mar- uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling. It would have been a better turn. Does the Eric Ebron pick kind of make that turn a little bit worse? Yeah, the Ebron pick's uh, one that I'm not really comfortable with. He's not a guy that I'm high on. I think you're definitely going to see some touchdown regression, and then you start factoring in some of the news coming out with Andrew Luck and, and his possible injury. And, you know, how much upside does Ebron have if, if Luck's not playing quarterback? And it, it's just concerning. I think this is one of those positions where, you know, having your draft sheet and having your ranking sheet set up with tiers of, of players and not getting caught at the end of a, a run or getting sucked in on, on a tight end run in this case, I, I think pays dividends. And I just think this is a situation where I don't think Ebron is a value there in the sixth round. And personally, you know, I would when it comes to Ebron, it would have taken at least another four rounds for me to even consider it. So I think there were some other players there on the board uh, that offered more upside, especially in this position. But, you know, to, and Allen Robinson in, in the seventh round, top of the seventh, I think that's great value there. I just I don't like how it gets offset with the Ebron pick. My thoughts exactly. So here's what we're going to do, guys. We kind of I like to evaluate those six the, those first six rounds. Um, you know I know it's taken us a while, but that was really the meat of the draft. So now we're going to start going a little bit faster here. So seventh round, Allen Robinson, then Lugo's Matt Ryan um, in the seventh round. So look, we have Matt Ryan as kind of that in that quarterback four-ish range now that Andrew Luck is out. So not a bad pick there. Then mock draft database goes Wolf Fuller. Clint goes Latavius Murray, which I'm kind of okay with that pick. I think the upside's, upside's there. Robbie Anderson to Steve, then Curtis Samuel to Kilby. Then Scott goes Valdez Scantling in the middle of the seventh. Uh, Bo goes Drew Brees. Then we got Andrew Luck to Lopez. Might be a reach with this injury stuff. Then I go Duke Johnson Jr. Then Dylan goes Darwin Thompson in the seventh round. I was kind of shocked to see that that early, and I'm kind of the the highest on Darwin, I think, or we kind of all are moving him up at least. Then Najoku in the seventh, um, Kilby to you in this, in this round seven range. Um, what was the most surprising pick to you in this, in this uh, round? Well, Darwin Thompson definitely stands out there, but I was a little uh, pissed off at uh, Scott here with that Marquez Valdez Scantling take. I, I was debating between potentially taking him and I knew it was going to be a reach, but taking him here over Curtis Samuel, but I like the upside with Curtis Samuel here, thinking that Scantling would fall back to me, at least in the eighth. And I think his ADP's going got him going like in the late ninth. So in the eighth, I wouldn't have been having to reach too far. And I was wanting wanting to pair him with Aaron Rodgers. So uh, that's the, probably the two main ones there that I see as far as in uh, as as far as like surprising picks in this round. Scott, I didn't like Drew Brees and Andrew Luck here. I don't like Andrew Luck because I'm worried about his, you know, his what's going on with this injury, his injury bug. I feel like the dude's the dude's starting to get hurt more and more now. And then I just don't like Drew Brees here because there's a lot better quarterbacks on the board. What's your concern with this round seven? Anything that really popped out at you? Yeah, this is actually where uh, the draft took a little bit of a swerve off-road for me. So I actually had my son, who's who's two and a half, sitting in my lap whenever we were doing the draft. And uh, he likes to bang on the, the keyboard and the computer from time to time. And I wasn't quite quick enough to stop his hand. So I actually had Josh Gordon keyed up here. And uh, I, I was setting my queue up. And the way my queue was set up was for the next two rounds, which was Josh Gordon, uh, Valdez Scantlin and then Dee Westbrook and he actually made this pick uh, 
and overruled uh, Josh Gordon and picked Scantling uh, a round or two earlier than what I was comfortable with. So Kilby can uh, blame that on uh, my next of kin. Well, based but, on uh, I, based on what you said, I wasn't going to get him anyway. You would have had him back in the turn, so that makes yeah, you feel so, a little better. Yeah, so I mean that's that's where. But I think I think the biggest thing that I look at in, in this particular round is this is kind of a dead zone. I think this is where you're going to see a lot of quarterbacks start trending off and, and coming off in, in some of the rounds because there's a lot of question marks with the players that go off in here. You've got Will Fuller who has upside but has injury. You know, Latavius Murray, I like that pick and like the value here. But then we start running into Ryan Anderson, Curtis Samuel, and, and some of the guys that haven't really done it. Now, look, the the one that, that jumped off the map to me, and, and we start looking at ADP and, and who's early, the, the Scantling, Valdez Scantling pick, I, I explained as to why, you know, that's over two rounds earlier than, than what his ADP is. But Duke Johnson, I, I just don't think the market has set correctly on Duke Johnson yet. I actually love Duke Johnson being picked over Lamar Miller. But Darwin Thompson, to pick Darwin Thompson this high says a lot about what the market is starting to think about. One, Carlos Hyde, and two, Darwin Thompson's like talent. So I think this is a pick, and Darwin Thompson in particular is a guy that's going to go all over the place in some drafts. And you can have one guy in your draft who, like Dylan in this situation, is very high on, on Darwin Thompson. For me, I don't think you start approaching him until you really get in that, that round 10 range, but it was pretty shocking to see him go here this high in the seventh round. So while it was shocking there, Scott, I mean, look, I think it was shocking as well, but look, I, I kind of get it. So where do you kind of weigh this upside play? Because, again, I, I kind of see what Dylan was doing, right? I mean, he goes heavy with the wide receiver, and then shoots for the upside with Darwin Thompson because we we obviously are looking at Darwin Thompson's upside right now, right? So in that respect, doesn't it kind of make sense? For me, it makes sense, but it makes sense later on. I think this is just much too early for that when you start looking at how well, What if gonna, someone takes him? I mean, if somebody takes him, you just got to let him go that early. I mean, we're, we're talking I mean, if about— you, If you believe in a guy, why don't you just go for him? Look, I'm all about getting your guys, and if that's the price that he has on them, then it's well justified for him to go ahead and pick them. Just for me and where I have them ranked and where I think he, you know, the, the road that he has to go to ascend to the amount of targets and the amount of volume that he needs to, to produce and return value at this ADP, there's some roadblocks there. I mean, we're still talking about Carlos Hyde being on the team. I like Darwin Thompson. I like his talent, but I think you need to value him a little bit more closely to that 10th round. An interesting take there from Scott. I mean, look, we see the upside, but again, Scott, you know, Scott's got a point. Scott's got a real point about who um, who he is. I mean, he doesn't have a guaranteed spot. I mean, he's an undrafted rookie, so I get it, but I also get it from Dylan's side. So I, I think it was an interesting pick. We obviously didn't expect to see him there. It was someone I was going to target not that early, but again, look, the ADP is rising, and maybe he did not like anyone else on the board. So in the ninth round, Chris goes Larry Fitzgerald. Then Dylan goes Josh Gordon. We know Scott liked him. Then Sammy Watkins, to me, I'm kind of higher on Sammy Watkins. We've heard that in the last podcast. Andrew Lopez goes Daryl Henderson. So one thing I want to point out right there, Andrew Lopez locks down his Rams backfield in the first eight rounds. Lou locked his up in the first five. So kind of interesting scenario there. Um, We will get to something later that I do know that Lou had in mind. But, you know, it's just it's a lot to tie in that much to, to that backfield. Bo goes Lamar Miller. Scott goes D.D. Westbrook. We know the upside D.D. has, and we all kind of like D.D. Kilby goes Rashad Penny. Then Steve goes Darius Guy. Seems like a reach there. Clint goes Carson Wentz. 
then Royce Freeman to mock draft database, then Dante Pettis to Lou in the middle of the eighth, or kind of the end of the eighth, then Wesley goes Kalen Balaj. Scott, what sticks out to you in this round eight? What sticks out to me is the names. I actually think you can take any of these names for the most part and put them in in round seven and still be comfortable with their value. We talk we talk about going early running back. If you start off your your, your draft with with three running backs, say in the first three rounds, look at some of the wide receiver talent that's still available here. We talk about the upside with Josh Gordon, Sammy Watkins, Larry Fitzgerald out there, and in, in at Arizona offense, Didi Westbrook looked great in tonight's uh in, in tonight's preseason game. You know he, he's clearly got a connection there with Foles. So I think these are the type of wide receivers that you need to start looking for as your wide receiver three, and and, and in that range if you start. Your, your draft early with running back. And I'm comfortable with a lot of these guys that are there with Westbrook, Watkins, Gordon, and Larry Fitzgerald. I think they all have upside to finish as top 24 wide receivers. Not too much crazy stuff going on in that round eight. So let's go over to round nine. Wesley's got Corey Davis. Then Lou goes Ronald Jones the third. Mock draft database goes Geronimo Allison. Clint goes Cam Newton. Steve goes Marvin Jones. Kilby goes James Washington. Then Scott goes Jared Goff. We know that's kind of his guy this year. Bo snipes me with Matt Burita, sends me into a world whirlwind spiral where I have to go Sterling Shepard and Eli Manning, so that's fantastic for me, right? Um, and Dylan goes Russell Wilson. And then Chris goes Tyrell Williams at the end right there. Um, Kilby, we see Ronald Jones the third go. That's a little too early, right? I think so. We don't really know. That backfield in Tampa Bay looks atrocious right now. Um you got Peyton Barber, who's more just like just a guy, and then you got Ronald Jones, who I think he's dealing with a is he I think it's a knee swelling right now. I think he uh, received during that Miami game on a kickoff. Um, I did see that. Yeah, so not sure. I mean, Bruce Arians has had high praise for him, but I think right here I, I'm just not a fan. I, I'm trying to stay away from him. So even in round nine, I think that's a little high for me. So let's go over to round 10. Um, Chris goes Deion Lewis here on the swing. So he went Tyra Williams at the end of the ninth. Um, then Deion Lewis to start the 10th. Then Dylan goes Justice Hill, kind of going for that running back upside like we saw him do with Darwin Thompson. He's kind of going for Justice Hill kind of early in the 10th. I go Jordan Reed, who is actually could have been in our news. He actually suffered a con- or what could be a possible concussion, would be the seventh of his career. So that's not really a good sign there. Then we have Deshaun Jackson going to Andrew, Kareem Hunt to Bo, Vance McDonald to Scott. Um, Scott, you like the value there for Vance McDonald? Yeah, I think this late, you know, we're talking about the 10th round. This is kind of where I start looking for my quarterback and, and my tight ends is, is basically here. But look, we talked about it and beat it like a drum with Juju. There's 225 missing targets there, and I think some of that's going to go to Vance McDonald. I think Vance McDonald's in a position where it's well within his range of outcomes to finish the year with about 125 targets, which is what you need for a, for a tight end to finish in that top five. Then we have Jalen Samuels going to Kilby. Tony Pollard going to Steve. It says it's it's a little bit of a reach ADP-wise, but we know why he did it. He drafted Zeke in the first round. LaShawn McCoy to Clint in round 10. Then Kyler Murray to Mock Draft Database. Then Lugo's Delaney Walker was kind of a... Interesting pick in my eyes. I think you see you see guys like Devin Singletary, who's got a lot of upside at the running back position, um, especially going Melvin Gordon. I'm surprised he didn't go Singletary there. Um, 
you know, just a few running backs he could have went instead of going another tight end when he had already drafted one. So it didn't really make much sense to me. DK Metcalf goes to Wesley at the um, end of round 10 a little bit early. Then let's start the 11th round. Jordan Howard, Emmanuel Sanders to Lou. Carlos Hyde to Mock Draft Database, which, Scott, I probably owe you some, um, what is it, some walk-on. So might be a little too uh, early for Carlos Hyde. Clint goes Austin Hooper. Lamar Jackson to Steve. Devin Singletary to Kilby. Kilby, you went um, running back heavy early on. Did you just kind of like the value for Singletary here in the 11th? Yeah, I'd like to pick up some backs that I think will, one, already have some uh, form of production in their particular offense and then also could ascend at some point in time within the season. So I like to just try to pick that as value here as something that I can work with later on in the season. Sounds good there. Scott, we, we see you go Dante Moncrief. Um, you go Vance McDonald and Moncrief back-to-back. Is that are you kind of in the same boat as Steve? You just kind of like the value here? I know you went heavy running back early in the draft. Yeah, for me, like I said, I, I want to try to get any piece of the, that offense that I can with the vacated targets. Uh, it's a toss-up right now. Is it going to be James Washington? Is it going to be Dante Moncrief as far as that number two role there? I, I just... I like the volume that, that Pittsburgh's offense brings. So here in these two rounds, I, I just went with the upside and the possibility. I mean, look, it's not out of the question that you have to cut a, a round 11 pick. And so I, I just thought the, the value was there. And where I was at as far as needing wide receivers, I thought that Moncrief fit that upside. Bogo's Kiki Cutie. He's always had a thing for Kiki Cutie, so I think he liked the value for him there. Lopez goes TJ Hawkinson. A little bit of, a, of an interesting pick. I know we've seen a history of um, rookie tight ends really not doing much in the fantasy world. So round 11, I go Jameis Winston here. Um, I'm the last one to get a quarterback. You guys know I love Winston, and I, and this is kind of what I was talking about. You guys asked me about where I felt comfortable with Winston on our earlier shows. I have him as my quarterback seven, and I like it because drafts like this where he just drops that far. I think you see him drop that far sometimes, and I'm just really ecstatic to get him in the 11th round, so I was happy with that. So Jimmy Graham to Dylan. I really like Jim, um, Dylan's draft, but I thought Jimmy Graham here, not a great pick. Uh, we're all not really high on Jimmy Graham. Chris goes Phillip Rivers to round out round 11. So let's swing it back to round 12. Kyle Rudolph to Chris. Jimmy Garoppolo to Dylan getting his second quarterback. A decent quarterback to pair with Russell Wilson, who I'm very low on this year. Then I go Justin Jackson. I know that pissed Lou off. I got a, I received a text message on that one. He wanted that Chargers backfield. Look, Justin Jackson's climbing up my rankings, and I want to get your opinion on it, Scott, because we haven't really talked about him really at all, but he's getting a lot of work in the preseason. He's looking good. The coaching staff is loving him. I mean, it's looking like Eckler's going to have more of a change of pace role, and Justin Jackson's going to get a fair split in this backfield. Is that fair to say? Look, I, I think this late in the game, Justin Jackson's absolutely a target, and I think you can get value from from him for you know however long he plays. Is it going to be eight games? Is it going to be an entire season? Who knows? But I, I think this late in the game, especially if you, you've got somebody that you drafted earlier that you're you know you're, you're dealing with injuries or something on, I, I think he's definitely one of those guys that can be a bridge player to get you to a more comfortable spot in the season. But let, let's just say that that. You know, Melvin Gordon does sit out the whole year. We saw what James Conner did last year. So, look, that Chargers offense can move the ball. So, I think there's going to be points to be had. I don't think Eckler can carry the full load. So, I think Jackson is going to get more than his fair share while Gordon's out. I was very happy with that pick. Peyton Barber goes to Andrew Lopez next. 
Then the Bears defense. We see a defense go off the board to Bo here in the middle of the 12th round. Then, Scott, you go um, Golden Tate. Then, Kilby, you go on Jamison Crowder. Then we see Adrian Peterson go off the board to Steve. He actually had Darius Geis early in the draft, so he's kind of getting that Redskins backfield locked down. John Brown to Clint. Then McCole Hardman in the middle of round 12 to mock draft database. That kind of surprised the shit out of me. I really haven't seen McCole Hardman in redraft yet this year. Lewis goes Kirk Cousins. Then Nikhil Harry to Wesley. So Wesley's got Nikhil Harry in the 12th and DK Metcalf in the 10th. Kilby, anything stick out in this round 12th? Yeah, definitely McCall Hardman going in the 12th. I I really see him going more in keeper leagues, and still even in those, I see him going later than, than the 12th round here. Um, outside of that, you know, the, we see our first defense go off the board. Typically, you know, defenses are something that you just, you never know. You can't predict who's going to be the best defense. So I think Jacksonville was one last season that was supposed to be like the top defense and they performed horribly all the way up until about week 16. So that's a couple of spots there that I see Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe a little high here. I probably would have rather have had maybe Ben Roethlisberger um, in that spot over Jimmy. Jimmy hasn't looked very good in the preseason so far, a lot of rust there. So I I really want to see him perform a lot better before I take him in any draft right now. Fair to say, starting off round 13, we see some defenses go off the board. Rams defense to Wesley, Jags D for Lewis. Paris Campbell to mock draft database. Naeem Himes to Clint. Dak Prescott to Steve. Kilby goes Chase Edmonds, kind of locking down that Arizona backfield. Big Ben to Scott, that's his quarterback too. Then we see Anthony Miller to Bo. Uh, Andrew Lopez goes Tom Brady. I then go Ito Smith. I'm kind of the resident on, on Ito Smith, even though I'm starting to come down on that. Um, you know, I'm kind of just seeing it in the preseason. It's not really translating like I thought. I, I see a guy like uh, Mattinson out of uh, Minnesota. I probably should have gone next. Um, then we got, oh, Scott, help me with this one, man. I, I, this was one of the more surprising picks of the draft. Really? This, this is what you're I, throwing I, my way? Is this really what you're going to throw my way? You want yeah. me to pronounce this name? All right. Yes. I, I mean, how about it, you try and then I'll do it. Ogun Bowali. I mean, he's. The, I remember him <laughs> playing for Wisconsin. I, I know. Uh, I know Evan Silva's been kind of hyping him up a little bit as a deep, deep, deep sleeper there to go ahead and watch in Tampa Bay if things don't pan out with Ronald Jones and uh, Peyton Barber, but. I mean, come on, look, you're on TV. You should uh, have more than enough practice at pronouncing some of this shit. So uh, I'm very insulted that you threw this my way. Look, I mean, when I'm on TV, you know, we write our scripts beforehand so I can like, um, you know, I can do the pronunciation thing. So I know how to pronounce it. So I just want to throw it to you. I I feel like you're kind of you kind of sound like the smart one sometimes. So figured you'd be able to get it. But that's that's okay. Kilby, I'm asking you. We host this podcast. I'm going to be honest with you guys. If you you want to unsubscribe because of this, I dare you to. I never heard of this dude. Kilby, have you ever heard of this guy? Because no, I'm just the crazy one, I guess. No, I, I've never heard of him. Uh, I was uh, when I saw him go off the board in the draft. I was just like, I said, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> That's what I said. I was like, "Who is this?" Yeah, like, did this guy accidentally like mistype somewhere? Or, like, he missed the wrong button? Something? What happened but here? Look, but look, um, we're jokes aside. Scott, you mentioned it. Elvin Evan Silva, highly respected guy in the industry. 
he has this guy as a deep sleeper. So, I mean, maybe Dylan's onto something. I mean, is it kind of just the backfield's up for grabs, Scott? Or is there anything that we've seen in this guy's metrics that can show him that he could potentially grab a spot? Look, metrics-wise, he's, he's well below par. I mean, he's 5'11", 213, only ran a 4.6540 at the Combine. Um, I, I think this is a pick. It's somebody to have your eye on, but it's not somebody you draft unless there's there's some information that I don't have yet. I think this is a guy you put on your watch list, and you know you pay attention. And you know if Ronald Jones goes down or if Peyton Barber goes down, it's a guy you kind of like get for free off the waiver wire because people still aren't really on to him. It's not somebody I would draft, but that being said, you know, I, I think we're all going to build an apology if, uh, if Dare Agumboale ends up there being, you go. being the man there in, uh, in Tampa Bay. But one of the other points that I really want to hit on with this round, I think you look and we talk about how deep quarterback is, especially in these drafts. Look, you take any of the quarterbacks we drafted away. I'm high on golf. In this round, Dak Prescott... Ben Roethlisberger, and Tom Brady. So for me, I'm big on the stack. Look, I, I drafted Vance McDonald. I drafted Dante Moncrief. So Ben Roethlisberger stacking with those guys was the reason why I went over Tom Brady. Had I actually had uh, Josh Gordon there in the, in the seventh round, I, I would have drafted Brady in this round. But I, I think at, at any point in time when you can wait until round 13 and come out with either of those, like any of those guys, or two of them in, in, you know, within those two rounds if you want to draft one in the 12th the 12th round look i'm more than comfortable rolling with dak prescott and ben roethlisberger as my two starting quarterbacks great point there scott so we we, we look at the 14th ravens defense damian harris to dylan so we're laughing about that pick but he's still got damian harris in the middle of the 14th i would have rathered him see him go damian harris in the 13th then mattinson in the 14th i think starting wide receiver wide receiver but getting those two upside plays in 13 and 14 would have made Dylan's team a lot better. Mitch Trubisky to me, I'm going to be honest, this this pick made me puke. I, I misplayed my roster. I actually was eyeing Chris Herndon with my last um, pick because I, I drafted Jordan Reed, hoping that I could grab a Herndon and Reed could take me through those first four weeks, and I just messed up. So that's me being stupid there. Uh, Jack Doyle to Andrew Lopez, Mattinson to Bo. Michael Gallup to Scott. We've seen the hype about Michael Gallup. Texans defense to Kilby. Mark Andrews to Steve, Debo Samuel to Clint. Then we got some kickers, Justin Tucker, Greg Zerloin. Wesley goes Jalen Richard. A little bit of insider information about Wesley. He played high school football with Jalen Richard. So he loves Jalen Richard. That's why he picked him, I'm going to guess. Harrison Bucker in round 15 to start this one off. Uh, unless there's anything to touch on in round 14, or does it seem all, kind of, uh, all kind of up to par? Look, for these last couple of rounds, it's kickers and defenses. We Basically, mandated, yeah. you know, as a, as a rule and that we're going to make sure we pick the kicker and defense. Look, if, if your league's set up that allows you not to have to pick a kicker and defense, then by all means, you know, go ahead and, and, and don't draft them and take some swings and dart throws at those those running back and wide receiver spots that you think can, can go ahead and, and possibly break out and possibly have something. And then when you actually have to set your lineup for week one, then that's when you go grab your, your kicker and defense. But for the rules of the mock draft, we, we, we made everybody draft a kicker and defense. So this is where you're going to see. So there's not a whole lot to talk about here. The, the players that got mixed in in the 15th and 16th round, you're talking about a Chris Thompson in the 16th, which is somewhat of a value because I think he's going to get the majority of passing work there for that backfield. But you're talking about Adam Humphreys, Andy Isabella, uh, the one person to maybe hit on with Kilby, he picked Devontae Parker in the, in the 15th round. So tell us what you think about Devontae Parker, Kilby. 
I just figure it's the 15th round. Why not take a shot here? I mean, what have I got to lose? If he doesn't pan out for me, then, you know, I just drop him and, and move on. But that Miami uh, offense, you know, they're they're rebuilding, and th- I think they're going to want to see what they've got in all their players. And I think Parker's one of those that they're going to target a lot to just try to see what they have there, whether they need to move or move on from him. So I just took a gamble here. Figured, I mean, it's it's a low-risk gamble, so I just took him and – to have one Dolphins player on my team. So that's just kind of my feel there. You know, I mean, if, if it doesn't work out by, you know, week three, four, then, you know, I'll drop him and find somebody else. Yeah, in the 16th round, um, the only pick I feel like I guess is worth mentioning is uh, Chris Thompson goes 16th round. I think that's decent value for Chris Thompson, especially for Lewis, who drafted Melvin Gordon and Ronald Jones. So definitely taking the upside play for them. So to take Chris Thompson, I guess he kind of had to make that pick. Um, guys, that will do it for our recap of the draft, but let, let, let's get serious for just a quick second. Let's, let's, let's make it quick. Um, Scott, I'll start with you. I'll put you on the spot. Who was your favorite team? If you had to pick one, I mean, I I think, you know, we look at a lot of the teams and there's a lot of cool angles from all these teams. And I, I really can honestly say that a lot of these teams are pretty decent. I really don't see a lot of bad teams, but if you had to pick a favorite, praise them. Who, who's it going to be? So I'll go ahead and exclude myself from this, but I like a lot what, what Bo did. I think you start looking at it, and I, I've talked about how Hopkins and Adams are basically 1A and 1B, so you can't go wrong with either of them. Joe Mixon might not have been my running back in uh, in round two, and I, I'm not high on Ertz, but when we start looking at the rest of the, the wide receivers that he got, Chris Godwin is everybody's breakout you know, Cooper Cup, I'm a little bit lower on, but I still love Cooper Cup. DJ Moore's, you know, my breakout guy. And then you're still getting Drew Brees. So even with Drew Brees there in the seventh, when you could have waited later to get a quarterback, Drew Brees is still that known commodity and that Sean Payton offense that's going to go ahead and, and, and put up some numbers. And, you know, in the back half, half of the draft, I, I think Bo had some other good picks with Breda. And then, look, he doesn't have the running back depth that you need. But he did go ahead and take a swing on Kareem Hunt in round 10. I'm not high on getting Kareem Hunt in in, in the draft because I think somebody's going to draft him. And as we talked about, you could probably pull him off the waiver wire because I just don't think somebody's going to hold him for eight weeks. That being said, if if something happens to Nick Chubb or if, you know, if they just want to kind of ease Chubb off for the playoff run, Hunt can be one of those players that you can plug in as a, a running back two or a flex play. So I, I see the upside with his uh, with his roster. I, I like what he did with his team, and, and really, it's look, it's a little bit of jealousy of him sniping some of the players that I wanted to draft. But if I if I can't choose my own team, and we'll get into that in a little while, but he'd probably be my next pick. Yeah, I I I really, I mean, I was happy with how my team came out, but at the same time, I really don't. I don't know if it's fair to say my team is the best. I think it's really hard to grade teams, um, especially in in draft in leagues where you draft you know these, these full teams and you kind of come out of it and you're like, oh blah blah blah, it's got the best team. It's hard to do. I think one third of the league, one third of the year is your draft. The other third is playing waivers, and the last third is making your roster decisions towards the end of the year when it comes to playoff time. So it's hard to say that, but I re- I really just. I try to get away from it, and I try to look at things like Bo. I didn't like. I don't like Bo's running back situation. I'm just not high on Lamar Miller, and I think it's possible Joe Mixon implodes. I love Mixon. I love the talent, but I'm just worried about that Bengals offense just a little bit. And in with Zach Ertz, I'm worried about Dallas Goddard. I think that's where Ertz is going to go. But I don't. 
I don't know how comfortable I am with Ertz there. So I like Bo's team, but not as much as you. I can't get away from Dylan's team. Um, I, I just, I'm intrigued with the two running backs he get. Uh, he gets Chris Carson and Mark Ingram. I'm not super high on Ingram, but I think we can all agree that Ingram's got top 24. Got top 24. He's almost a guarantee for top 24. I feel like he's got top 20 upside with almost like a floor of top 30, right? So I like Ingram as his running back, too, after starting strong with those three wide receivers. He also gets Chris Carson, who's starting to see more work in the passing game. He's got a pretty high floor, it seems like, too. He's been very impressive. And then on top of that, he grabs a Calvin Ridley to start in the flex. He gets a Josh Gordon. The Darwin-Thompson pick, a little early. But look, if Darwin bursts onto the scene... It looks he looks like a genius. So you know, devil's advocate there. But I really like what he did. Um, I'm not high on his quarterbacks. Um, not really. I mean, that's my quarterback like 16 and 20. So not high with the quarterbacks there. But you can get by with with that kind of range. I feel like if he would have went a Jameis Winston or Kyler Murray, I would have loved it a lot more. Even a, even a Lamar Jackson. So, but I really like what Dylan's team did. He surprised me. Um, I mean, we we I laugh about the Ogun Ogun Bowale pick, but. He got some good value with Damian Harris and maybe a, a pick of just Justice Hill. So I was kind of I kind of like that team a little bit. Kilby, any any teams stick out to you? I guess if I, I had to pick once, you guys already touched on uh, Dylan and Bo there. Uh, I'm looking at Chris here, just seeing the way the draft unfolded here. Typically in that 12th spot, I would take wide receiver, wide receiver. But seeing how that uh, the top tier wide receivers just kind of flew off the board and James Conner fell in his lap here at the 12 spot, I kind of like that. And then turn around and take Julio Jones, getting his running back one and his wide receiver one. And then to turn around in third to get Josh Jacobs. Now, I didn't, I'm not a big fan of him getting Kenny Galladay here in the fourth, but then he turns back around and gets Philip Lindsay and Baker Mayfield. I like that a lot. Um, out of this whole situation, I'm not a big fan of his wide receiver uh, situation here, and then his bench gets a little little sparse. Um, but if I had to pick somebody I'd, outside of myself, uh, I would say I'd have to go with Chris here. Sounds good. Um, now we're going to evaluate our teams really quickly. Um, I'll start with Kilby. So, um, Kilby... I love what you did, man. I, I, I'm really the wide receiver, wide receiver guy. But again, you know, you got to let these drafts fall to you. So I think you you getting David Johnson sixth overall, I think that's a value. Um, I love DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams. But I think David Johnson at sixth overall is a great pick. Then you get Nick Chubb, who the reports are he's going to get work out of the passing game. He's very talented. I love the Nick Chubb pick. Then you go Adam Thielen, Brandon Cooks. Aaron Rodgers, who I know is the GOAT. I'm really not super high on Rodgers' schedule. Like, I'm a little nervous that he could have, like, a floor of maybe around that top 10 range. But, look, he's got QB1 upside. I love it. O.J. Howard's got the upside. Um, I really like it, man. I really enjoyed what you did with your team. Uh, there's not really much for me to analyze. I mean, like I said, I think, you know, the only thing that I maybe would have done differently is I see a guy like, Tariq Cohen, Mark Ingram, Jarvis Landry. I probably would have went them over Aaron Rodgers and then went QB a little bit later. So that's really my only argument about your team. Do you kind of uh, agree with what I said there? Are you not insulted or are you digging it? 
No, I'm not insulted at all. <laughs> I was actually really shocked at myself to take Aaron Rodgers there because, like <laughs> I said, I typically like to take my my quarterbacks later. But for some reason, I just kind of, you know, we got two minutes on the clock, I just kind of latched onto him. I was like, screw it, I'm taking him here. But no, I, I see your point there as far as some building up some of these skill player positions and, and building my bench a little bit more because that definitely seems to be where I went a little bit south here. My, my, my bench is going to be a little bit weak. But hopefully, as time goes on, I'll be able to to work that out, make some trades, or uh, you know, pick some people up off of the waivers. Who knows? Sounds good. Now, so who wants to analyze who next? I'm gonna let you guys fight over it. Scott, you have a preference? Well, I guess uh, I guess Kilby has to analyze me, and I have to analyze you. Right? Yeah, so I think so. I think that's, that's the fair. way it's got to go in this uh, in in this this situation. Go for it. Let's hear it. You guys analyze who you want. I, w- I want to hear it. So I'll go with you, Andrew. All right. So there you go. looking at the situation here, and, and, and I won't name names, but I, I ran our rosters through uh, an analyzer. And, and basically, they, they said that I had the top draft in this whole situation. So we'll let our listeners like decide on that and what they thought. But one of the other things that it said was that Kilby had the top group of starters, and you had the top bench. So I thought that was really interesting. The one of the things that that I thought that you were a little bit weak on, look, great wide receiver start with, with Juju and Odell. We can have some arguments about Edelman versus Diggs, but in reality, look, we have them one spot apart, so there's not much to argue about that. I think where we really start to come in is, is with this running back start. And while I'm not as high on, on Mac as, as what – you and essentially the consensus is I, I think there's there's value there I like Duke Johnson a lot more than I think what a lot of other people do but I think the front half of the draft you stuck you know to to your rankings and really filled it in I think where we we, we kind of start to get a little bit shaky is on the back half of the draft look you're, you're high on Winston and by all means in 11th round if you have Winston ranked where where you have him, then he's going to be a value. Uh, I think Jordan Reed ends up being a little bit shaky. Uh, I think uh, Mitch that's Trubisky, your boy, man. Look, uh, I like him, but this, <laughs> if he's got a concussion, if he's got a concussion right now, okay, okay. That, well, I also drafted last Sunday and not tonight, Scott. But, but that's that's not the issue. I just think I think Vance <laughs> McDonald and and the situation he's in was a little bit better pick. And granted. I'm kind of tooting my own horn since I was the one that took Vance McDonald, but I, I think you start looking at the the safety that you have there. And look, we're talking about a onesie position in Jordan Reed and, and really nitpicking some things. I mean, if I had to say that you have a weakness, it's probably going to be at the running back position, but every team's going to have a little bit of weakness whenever they they start off with, with three wide receivers. So you're, you're comfortable with where you're at with Mac. Cohen, I think, is, is going to have a little bit of regression. I think the team's going to be higher up on uh, Montgomery than what a lot of other people think. And it, it's really going to come down to can Kenyon Drake and Duke Johnson fill that, fill that void. But all in all, look, it, we're talking that we're nitpicking about stuff. There's plenty of players on your roster that I'd be more than comfortable with. So if I had to look and we played this league out instead of it just being a mock draft, I'd have to think that you'd end up in the playoffs. Yeah. I was, you know, I was hoping for Sony Michelle drop or something, but Look, I mean, I'm I'm happy with Tariq Cohen. I think the PPR upside is there, so I was happy with it. Um, Kilby, you'll be analyzing Scott. Would you want to get that started? Yeah. So 
I remember when we did this last Sunday and just watching the picks come off the board and seeing how Scott's first six rounds here played out. It really like surprised me. I wasn't expecting to see uh, these particular type of picks. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, I saw that one coming a mile away. But then you get here, I expected him to take Chubb, which is the reason why I was surprised that Chubb fell into my lap. But he took Dalvin Cook. Then on to the third round, I would think I was thinking maybe he would potentially take Stephon Diggs here, but instead he goes with Fournette. And then again in the fourth round, I I was expecting another a receiver. He decided to go Devonte Freeman, and then even on into the fifth round, he takes Derrick Henry. So like four running backs in a row, just really surprised me here, especially uh, with these particular running backs. You know, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette. Devonta Freeman, um, Andrew touched on it earlier that, you know, these are guys with injury history. So to watch you take these guys really surprised me. I understand the value and I see the upside in all these guys, but to not mix in a receiver here really kind of, kind of shocked me. And then you went with AJ green who, you know, at this moment is out indefinitely. I definitely see the, the value there for when he does come back. So getting him in the sixth rounds, a good spot there, but as your second wide receiver, to start the season uh, that, that might be a little bit rough, but you know, maybe he comes back a little sooner. And then of course you got Marquez Valdez Scantling here, uh, starting to build your bench. And, uh, I like what you did there. Definitely getting Vance McDonald late was a good value there. Uh, I also like the golden Tate pick here in round 12. I mean, he's going to be out the first four games of the season, but, uh, when he does come back, I think he's going to command a lot of targets. So I think that was a great late, late round pick. And then uh, picking up uh, Ben Roethlisberger to back up Jared Goff. I like that. Uh, I, I'm personally not a fan of taking two quarterbacks in the draft. Um, but if you're going to, if you're looking at it from a potential streaming standpoint of going back and forth between the guys uh, as far as the schedule, man, I, I see how that can work out for you. Oh no, I like I like the team. I just. For me, and, and and playing with you over the na- last year, I was, and some of the players you talk about, I was really shocked to kind of see the way this fell for you. But I like the team. I like the team a lot. Yeah, and in, in my defense, this really isn't the the typical team that I would normally draft, and and it's part of what you do mock drafts for is to kind of see how a draft is going to fall to you, and and kind of go over a different a number of different range of, of outcomes and and how it would go ahead and play. Look. You know, AJ Green's definitely got some risk there, and, and you know, I I like I, I like the way this draft ended up falling for a number of different reasons, but specifically from the running back standpoint, I like some of the values that are there. You know, in the sixth, seventh, and eighth round, as far as the wide receivers go, specifically with you know DJ Moore, I think AJ Green still has upside, even though he's injured and we don't know when he's going to come back. But when you start talking about like Allen Robinson and you know Josh Gordon and even Sammy Watkins, and and look, Westbrook, I took an eighth round as a guy. Definitely, I think there's some value to go ahead and build your roster from a wide receiver standpoint on on this sixth, seventh, and eighth round. So, the, I I played with this draft a little bit. It was different than what I've done typically for most of the season but I'm pretty satisfied with the way it turned out I just think it's going to be hard to replicate this consistently in the upcoming drafts look I've got a big draft coming up tomorrow and I just don't see some of these running backs falling as deep as they did so because of the way the draft fell I went ahead and took a chance and took them and did something that I wouldn't normally do so that'll do it for our draft recap guys that was fun right that that was something a little bit different it kind of wasn't our typical read off names and rank them show 
Yeah, you know, I think it's important to go ahead and, and do an exercise like this to see the things that can go wrong. Talk about where, you know, the, the draft kind of went off track and maybe you didn't get the, the guys that you target. But look, it, it's important to go into your draft with a plan, but also to be flexible and let the draft come to you. And, and look, I'm not scared. I, there's some mistakes that I had here in this draft and some some picks that I'd like to take back. But I thought the, the group that we had, and look, I appreciate you know, everybody that participated in this, this mock draft, I, I thought we had a wide range of, of players and styles and different, you know, draft strategies to go ahead and, and give a, a little bit of a different look to everybody that participated. Scott, you mentioned that. Thanks again to all these guys who participated with us. One more time, Mr. Wesley Boone. Follow him at Wes Boone 16 Again, great football mind, 49ers Cal High School sports show and in California. You're going to see him in the big time in the TV world. Great, great guy. Mock Draft Database, as always, at MockDraftDB on Twitter. Andrew Lopez at underscore Andrew underscore Lopez. The dude's the goat. He's an awesome football mind. He covered LSU football, for God's sake. Great dude. Just just an awesome all-around guy. Dylan Federico at Dylan Federico WX on Twitter. If you want to see awesome videos of weather shit, like the dude sends some cool stuff out. And then the Saints season comes around and he gets depressed like us because the Saints lose a game and we think the sky's falling. And then finally, Chris Rosevoglu. You can follow him at Rosevoglu Report. That's R-O-S-V-O-G-L-O-U Report. And the rest of our guys, Lewis Pusinger, Clint Lay, Steve Going, Bo Younce, and that'll do it. That was a great time. Kilby, we're going to end it with this. Tell the, tell the people where they can follow you at. Yeah, you can follow me at, uh, on Twitter at Kilby O'Rourke. Uh, this will actually be my last podcast for a good while. Uh, I want to thank you guys for having me on. It's been a blast. Um, I still have a lot to learn in this whole uh, podcasting and exchanging back and forth type thing. So during my time off, uh, I'll work on that. And then hopefully once I uh, my job situation works out, I'll be able to come back and, and work with you guys again. He'll be with us sparingly, folks. Don't don't let him deter <laughs> you too much. We'll, we'll, we'll hear a lot from Kilby. Scott, where, where can the people find you? And if they want you to draft for them, where can they see that information at? Look, you can always hit me up on Twitter at SSmithFF. And look, if you need help with your draft, hit us up at Draft Day Consultants. Either get myself or one of the other great guys over there. There's a lot of experts and good minds over there that can help you with your draft. They can draft for you if you need to need that to happen. But uh, look, we're going to be answering questions all year long. Start, sit, ranking questions throughout the year. Look, start the fucking clock. We've got a week left. We've got a couple of preseason games. I've got a big draft tomorrow. I'm fucking pumped. Uh, you know, maybe I shouldn't be using this language, but look, we didn't say that this was going to be a PG show. So let's get this shit going. I'm looking to, to go ahead and, and start laying down the ass whoopings in the dynasty leagues that we play in and some of the other leagues. So let's, uh, let's hope I can, uh, back up some of the smack talk and not fall flat on my face with, uh, what's going on. But, uh, Hey, I'm ready to get the season rolling. Could have said a better Scott. You can follow me at Andrew WXXV on Twitter. And of course, follow our podcast at 4downspod on Twitter, we're available on Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor, basically everywhere that podcasts are available. You can find us. And again, guys, just happy drafting. Get that shit going. Do not draft Eric Henry. Have yourself a good weekend. Want you to see everything, want you to see everything.
nigga dead. I slapped my girl, she caught a fits. I did that time and spent that bread. I'm headed home, I'm almost there. I'm on my way, headed up the stairs. To my surprise, a nigga replacing me. I had to take him to that ghetto university. All the lights, top lights, flashlights, spotlights, strobe lights, street lights. All of the lights, all of the lights. Fast life, drug life, thug life, rock life, every night. Want you to see everything, want you to see all of the lies. 